Hello, welcome to Good Games Well Played, episode 131. I'm Clint, aka JCM, with us this week is Isley. Yo. Amasiah. Hello. And we were out last week, um, so we'll cover a couple of things that we missed while we were gone, because it has been a busy couple of weeks. We had the Nintendo Direct, which we'll just touch on for a little bit. We had the Sony State of Play, and then as IGN GameScoop dubbed it, the FTC Showcase from a bunch of leaked stuff about Microsoft's plans for the future. Uh, so we'll be covering Ooh, a lot messy. of that. Yeah, yeah, plus some other things. Uh, we had some departures. Oh, the f- IGN app. We had some departures. Dig Asmussen, the director for uh, the Star Wars games at uh, Respawn, is leaving Electronic Arts, uh, which is pretty pretty nuts. So I'm like, okay, is... You know, he's, he's someone who's been in the industry a long time. He's kind of bounced around. I mean, he was at Sony Santa Monica... Uh, for a while, then he he moved on uh, to another place. So I'm I'm curious, like, what's this? Like, obviously, the state of the Jedi games are probably in good hands. Everybody at at respawn and whatnot. So it's not going to be like a, a huge loss there. But it's it's interesting that he would bounce after the two games. You're like, okay, you know, I'm a uh, I'm pretty good. I I want to go do something else now. But yeah, it's a interesting time for EA as well. You know, it, especially just because of a. Uh, you know, everything that's going on with Bioware, Respawn's kind of their key studio right now. So it's like, you know, typically the talent that they lose is from the Bioware side, right? But to lose someone here is going to be interesting. Uh, we'll see where he goes, but I, I thought that was a curious bit. And then we also, speaking of departures, had Glenn Schofield left striking distance. He is, of course, the founder and CEO, along with Steve Apoutsis. Both of them worked on Dead Space 1. And then when Glenn left then, then... Steve directed Dead Space 2. But yeah, he uh, he he left. He's going to be saying, quote, creating Striking Distance Dudes has been an incredible journey, and I'm so proud of what we've achieved with the Callisto Protocol, a game close to my heart. While pursuing a new adventure is exciting, leaving SDS, uh, Striking Distance Studios, is bittersweet, but I, lo- I know the studio is in excellent hands. And Striking Distance is, of course, a subsidiary of, what's the, Crafton. That's right. Who does the, you know, PUBG and whatnot. But yeah, he's uh he's leaving, which is obviously Steve Pujas will, of course, be kind of taking over that role. But yeah, we'll uh I'm curious what he'll do next. You know, kinda it, it sucks because I was when he first joined Sledgehammer back in the day with uh, Activision, he I heard that like the the zombie mode that they put in their Call of Duty game was like really good and like really horror. And like you can clearly see like this is from people who did like Dead Space, right? Like it's it's got a lot of that stuff. I don't know if it's necessarily body horror or what it was. I didn't play it, uh, but that's what I heard. Uh, so then when he started Striking Distance and was doing this game, I got really excited. Um, obviously, yeah, it didn't come out to... Uh, it wasn't exactly the game people wanted, plus we had the Resident Evil 4 remake came out later, uh, which is kind of what people really wanted. Uh, I enjoyed the Callisto Protocol, and I, I would have liked to see where a second game would have gone had if they were to get the chance to do it but now that he's he's out i'm i'm uh, i'm curious what he'll be doing next and if he'll try to stay if he does go somewhere will he try to do something horror related or who knows it's kind of unfortunate because the main thing i heard from the callisto protocol is like review feedback was it's a great game i'd love to see what the second one can do now that they've got the framework from the first one yeah and that's the problem is we're in a point in the industry where you can't do that anymore like you need to be successful from the jump and it's 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 unfortunate because i mean if you look at like assassin's creed like if assassin's creed one came out today obviously it wouldn't come out oh exactly it would be ripped then. apart 
but yeah, that it's like that game was like, yeah, it was good. Like people liked it. I mean, I liked it as well. Uh, but yeah, then it's like they just I mean, that's kind of the example that people kind of look to right as the I want to see what you do with the next game. Like no one ever goes like, you know, they don't when they say that they're not referencing like Mario 2 or something, you know, or Zelda 2. Like it's it's the game they typically refer to as the second iteration being much improved on in the gaming space is Assassin's Creed 2. Uh, so yeah, it's, it is unfortunate. Cause yeah, you, you literally the example I was thinking of. Yeah. It's, it's the go-to for everybody, right? Like, um, or the other one as well is also like uncharted 2. That's another one that, uh, but that I believe came out after maybe. Um, but yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Like, yeah, you can't, they just cost so much games do nowadays and it's such a good looking game too that's what's crazy is i love the way that game looks just like the metal detail like it looks so good it's unfortunate um i know they had some dlc i haven't had a chance to play it yet uh i've been busy it's like on my list of to do's but yeah i i I really enjoyed the game and i liked it because yeah it wasn't exactly what i wanted from like a dead space perspective but I, i liked what they did with it like the combat the sneaking uh all that stuff it was um it was unique but yeah, I, I would have liked to see like where could you, how could you evolve this formula to keep it, like do the civilization thing of where you, a third's the same, get rid of a third, and a third's brand new. Like, what could you do to expand this to kind of ease in folks who maybe didn't enjoy it the first time around, but still keep the heart of it for the folks that did enjoy that uh, combat style and gameplay. It's unfortunate. We'll see where he goes. He's he's one of those developers who I like. I, I do follow. Uh, he's in that list like okay let's see what they do next um hopefully it's not back to like call of duty or anything i'm I'm hoping hoping he does something um fun out there and then yeah outside of that uh, moving on we also got the kind of a old style press announcement of the division three being announced uh, by ubisoft they just confirmed it like yeah it's uh they sent out like a, a presser saying you know this announcement represents ubisoft's dedication to the longevity of the brand uh, in this new role, oh, and he, they're also talking about how uh, Star Wars Outlaws creative director Julian Garaiti has become the executive producer for the Division franchise. Uh, and they're saying here, in his new role, Julian will drive the many interdependent product de- production elements of the Division brand in a unified direction. This includes development, oversight, operations, and creative vision together with the development teams around the world who are currently developing the mobile game, the Division Resurgence, Tom Clancy's The Division Heartland, and The Division 2. And the division is like one of those games that like silently has a ton of players. Like it has, it had nearly 40 million players across all their titles and which is essentially two titles. And it's when it had the, it had like a discount for a while there when they had the PlayStation five and Xbox series update to give it 60 FPS. Like I think they, they, it was on sale for like just a couple bucks uh, for the base game. And then like the DLC like cost like standard, but like player base shot through the roof. Like that's when I joined. I was like, dude, I gotta I gotta play this. And there's a ton of content in those games too, which is crazy. Um, and I I've really liked the Division One, and I enjoyed my time with the Division Two, especially because I played, I essentially played Division Two entirely co-op, which is awesome. Because uh, kind of like what you what the game's built around is cooperative play. Uh, but yeah, it's a great franchise, and I'm glad to see that they're working on another one. I'm curious where it'll take place. And how soon we'll see it, but we'll. Uh, I'm curious about Heartland too. Like that's that sounds like an interesting one, and I want to see that one get released and give that one a try. But yeah, uh, have to wait. But yeah, excited to hear about that. Uh, and then 
outside of that, I'm trying to see if there's anything else that we... Oh, yeah. So we had the Nintendo Direct happen last week. Now, I, before the show, I asked if anybody kind of watched or remember anything. I didn't watch it. The only thing I saw from it that I liked, which is also coming to other platforms, is the Tomb Raider trilogy, which is a... We'll call it like an HD remake version of the first three games on PS1, but in the exact same style, and you can toggle between the visuals back and forth. I am kind of annoyed that I can't go back in time and have them call it Tomb Raider 4 and not Tomb Raider Last Revelation because that's the best or my favorite of the Tomb Raider games. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm like, I'm looking forward to playing, going back and replaying those uh, original Tomb Raider titles. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to get that on Switch because yeah, it's been a very long time since I played the original one, but I used to play the hell out of one and two. So it's going to be really cool to go back and those again and i'm probably just gonna play them in the original graphics because i mean why not it's the crunchiness that makes it nostalgic the wobbly vortex (laughs) shapes and whatnot uh yeah i man i i hope that if it does well they do i mean i don't really care about two mirror chronicles but uh i hope they do the last revelation like i I love that one so much, and that's kind of my Egyptian bias going on there, but it's just, I love that game. Uh, I've played it so many times, and I would love to see that just... I wish they had given that one the Tomb Raider anniversary treatment back on PS2 back then, because that would have been awesome. But yeah, I mean, it. it I like it. It's, it kind of reminds me of what they're doing with uh, the FF7 on mobile. What are they? Is that Ever Crisis? Yeah. Uh, but it's also like got gotcha elements in it i guess is that that the one trash fire yeah yeah Yeah. but like at least it's still like chibi in the exact same like kind of layout from what i've seen of of the game so i i like that it's like oh hey we're just kind of making it like you know it's not going to be triple a levels of quality but it's like hey here's it kind of looks like if this was more like a a double a or kind of like an indie title that came out nowadays but um but it it looks good like i I don't know i'm excited i'm like i'm wondering if i have trophy support as well uh, i'm curious about that because yeah back in the day like i only ever completed the even numbered games like in their entirety like typically in one and three i always um i think they both had level skip cheat codes um mm-hmm. i know two did as well but i i never played three in its entirety especially like the last level i just went straight to the boss i think but i, I think eventually i might have finally done like a okay i'll do because the freaking the last level you know, spoilers for an old ass game. Um, but like those weird alien creatures, like scared the hell of me when I was a kid. I was like, I, man, I don't want, they just pop around a corner. I'm like, ah, where's my deagle? Uh-huh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah. So I was like, I'll just skip this and go fight the, the Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that also the, the area 51 level in that game is so, so weird. But yeah, two, two is really good. One has some really good levels in it as well. That's why when they, anniversary was just really cool i liked playing uh, two meter anniversary that was a, a great time but yeah looking forward to that uh let's see when does that come out i i don't i don't have it saved because it was part of the direct so i, I didn't have um it's um feb february february uh i just had it where to go uh february 14th that's where what is this oh okay never mind. i i looked up just the laura croft collection and i by mistake and that just pulls up the guardian of light and temple of osiris games and it's like oh that came out june 29th it's like what no it didn't <laughs> sorry out, what <laughs> yeah okay yeah so yeah next year then all right well we'll have to wait for uh for that but yeah because i was curious like oh i wonder if i could 
play those old games on a new computer. It's like you have to do so much to get to get those games to run. It would be old... so much easier to just get a PS1 emulator. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I have the PS2 one. I might as well do a PS1. But, but yeah, looking forward to that. That was pretty much the only thing from that that kind of stood out to me. Again, I, I didn't watch it. I just saw some kind of... Usually when those happens, like my YouTube feed just gets blasted with every announcement. I'm like, all right, here yeah, we go. They upload the trailers all individually. Yeah. And then we had the state of play uh, from Sony. Uh, big things there. They showed a lot of Spider-Man. The fast travel looked really cool. The way it just goes like goes to the minimap and then pans down into the city. And then you just have like one of the Spider-Man either flying around or what have you, wherever you're going to. I'm like, that's really cool. It reminds me of like, it's it's similar to the what GTA 5 did, but way more streamlined. And it doesn't just do that like three layer zoom out and three layer zoom in that uh, GTA 5 did. That also took a while to do. That's really cool. And I like the idea that you can see the other Spider-Man doing stuff in the city while you're playing around. I thought that was really cool. But yeah, looking forward to that. Great little bit there. Uh, we also got the trailer for the Resident Evil 4 Separate Ways DLC, which came out. I haven't played it yet. Uh, Brownlee's reviewing really well. Uh, teasers for Resident Evil 4 VR. Sometime this winter. No official date there. Another trailer for Avatar Frontiers Pandora. I'm looking forward to that. I'm excited to play it. I think that comes out in December, right? It's pretty soon. Yeah, Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. Yeah, December 7th. That'll be good, because that, that gives me plenty of time. Because <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll finish Baldur's Gate 3. I'll have time for Spider-Man. Dude. Time uh, for Alan Wake 2. <laughs> never finish Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> I'll get there. I... I We'll talk about that. I made some, a lot of good progress in there. But yeah, I look forward to playing that. That'll be a good December game. It's just because it'll probably take some time off uh, between Christmas and New Year's. Not that I'll wait between the 7th and end of the month to play it, but if I have to. And then, yeah, the other stuff from State of Play, I don't think there was anything major or other thing to talk about, except for the new trailer for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, uh, which they showed off, which had a ton of stuff in it. Like, it was really funny. I I watched Min Max's reaction and Ben Hansen's like hardcore, you know, FF7 fan. And they had Janet Garcia, who like knows nothing about FF7, the original. So like when she's when they're watching it, like it's like, oh, you see like the the Leviathan looking bossy fight, you know, you save what Priscilla uh, from. And it's like, oh, it's just it's just a monster in the trailer, right? But for Ben, he's like, oh, it's that it's that fight. And then it's like, <laughs> but she doesn't know. And it's like, it shows nothing. It's like, oh, oh, it's the giant snake. Oh, it's this. Oh, look at the chocobos. You know, mm-hmm. look at the buggy. You know, it's it's all this stuff. Like you, he knows, but like in the scene, they mean nothing to someone who doesn't know FF Seven. <laughs> but man, there was so much in that trailer, and they say it's supposed to be like pretty has some exploration elements. So I'm curious how open like some of the areas in 16 are pretty open uh like and if you didn't have a chocobo it would be dear god so i'm yeah i'm wondering how big they plan it to be so i guess that they had a playable demo i think mm-hmm. at tokyo game show and i saw a few people that i follow were playing it i didn't look i didn't watch like what they were doing or reading what they're doing because i don't i don't want any of it i just want to play the game um, but apparently the map is one of the maps at least is pretty big enough to have like fast travel points and stuff that you can unlock. So I imagine there's going to be at least one giant explorable map. And then 
I don't know if they confirmed if the the two discs is for like ones for install and ones for play, or if it's actually like content across both the discs. So I guess that's an option if it's going to be as big as it seems. Typically, when they have two discs, it's usually like, hey, here's the game on one, and then disc two is like, we couldn't fit the textures, like the HD textures on there. Like that's what 360 yeah. had to do back in the day a lot, right? Games would not be on two discs on PS3, but they'd be on multiple because they the textures just took up so much room. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering like, if you could have like, hey, just take this file, it just loads all the textures, and then this one, like you're saying, yeah, is the game disc. It's like, you play it, that way we can fit more game on there and not worry about those textures and maybe audio and stuff because audio also takes up a lot of space mm-hmm. if you have like multiple language packs and whatnot um, or if you're crazy like Kojima and have it uncompressed <laughs> and then it's like that that would make sense because yeah you know textures going to take up a, a ton of space so yeah because I, I, like, I saw like they had the, the flying chocobo I'm like there's no chocobo breeding as well which is like okay no chocobo breeding that's fine you got to cut something out but they have like the one that flies around and I'm like okay so it must be a pretty big area for it to be able to fly and actually get you some places that are actually useful. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Did you watch the trailers? Link? No, I didn't watch it yet. I I, it. I'm torn on the trailer just because I don't love their model for how they're doing the game. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just don't like that they split up the game into sub-games, and I don't think that the first game was a complete experience. So I'm I'm kind of turned off from the whole release i'll probably still get it eventually even though i say that but yeah yeah it frustrated me mm-hmm. yeah i'm curious like because they they say in and i'm also curious about like the the black chocobo like climbing the mountain like there's gonna be a lot of those spots where you climb the mountains like is that gonna be <laughs> super useful like are we gonna get a gold chocobo like or is that gonna be in the next game but yeah they also say what they say here Apparently, they had like a blog post where they revealed like more information about it. Mm-hmm. Other be like double the side content, which I like, can make sense because you're not just in Midgar, right? You got other places you can go and, and things you can do, especially if you can go to Gold Saucer. But uh, I think they on the blog post, like they, I was trying to find it, but I believe they said like it, this game ends at that moment. And I'm like, okay, but that's not where, right? Like, disc. Two or disc one doesn't end right there in the original game, right? Like mm-hmm. it, you do a little bit more after the Forgotten City, and then it goes to disc two. So I'm curious, like how is it? Like, are you going to cliffhang it right there? I think that would be yeah, pretty course. cool for like new players, um, I yeah. suppose. Like, but uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting because there's a lot of stuff that you have to do. Like, I'm not going to run through it because I don't want to spoil it for locations <laughs> that you have to go to, but um. Yeah, there are like a lot of things you can do because like there's some places you can't get to until you have like the I'm curious too if they'll have the the bucking bronco just broken down and you just take it on the water's edge or if they'll just be like, nah, here's Chocobo. Just go walk in the water. I think my entire experience or like opinion on where they cut off the games is just they need to actually make each game a complete storyline as opposed to part of a trilogy or a quadrology or however many games it's up to now. And I don't feel like the first game actually told a complete story. Like, the first game ended on a cliffhanger with almost no resolution to anything, which I don't think works as a game. It barely works as movies. I mean, the only movie that I think sort of did that well was, like, Lord of the Rings when it came out. Um, But usually ending on, like, cliffhangers like that just doesn't work the best. So, I I don't know. I, 
I really, really hope they do a better job with the second game. Yeah, I didn't initially have a problem. I mean, the only problem I had was not a problem, but like just the way it ends versus if it had ended just like the OG game, because they have so much crazy stuff going on with the shadows and whatnot and the the final fight, which obviously wasn't there in the game. But it kind of made sense like that's where they'd stop it because at least in the, in the original, it's like, yeah, that's kind of what you're doing. You're going to take on Shinra. You destroy the stuff, yada, yada. You do it. You get captured. You break out. And then uh, everything happens and you got to escape. It's like, okay, now it's like everything changes. It's no longer about eco-terrorists. It's now something else is going on. You know, this person's but, back and you got to leave. But you kept going in the original. But like, yeah. I kind of get like, I guess that's where, why they would come Well, that's my point. It's like you kept going in the original, whereas in this game, they cut it off. So they changed the story, you know, spoilers for the comparison of seven to old seven they changed the story in the remake but then they don't like they don't give you any reward for it they just change the story on a cliffhanger and it's like wow wasn't that great storytelling so the entire first part of the game is mirrored to original seven and is like a retelling of original seven and then they change it at the last minute but when they change it at the last minute they don't give you any resolution to you know the first 20 hours or 40 hours you've been playing and then they throw a curveball at you but they also don't go any further so you don't get any of the roar like reward of experiencing what that curveball means yeah i mean it's tough like if you're gonna break it up like seeing what they did with the game and like how much they expanded and just the way it looks it's like yeah there's no way they could do all of seven in the style that they did uh with that kind of ambition and then have it be on just like one game like it's impossible but it's like then you're kind of stuck well, it's like, okay where do you cut it i'll argue though like is it impossible if they just retold seven really well i feel like there are a lot of huge games out there that i i guess i struggle with this because i'm like i don't know how much it really takes to make a game but i do think that there are a lot of open world rpgs that are more expansive than the story of final fantasy 7 that have been put on one disc in one game that offer hundreds of hours of gameplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But they're also like, it's, it's different design, right? It's not exactly like, uh, like seven, like there's, there's, uh, consolidations you got to make, right. Especially like you can talk about open world games, you know, big games like horizon and stuff like that. It's like, but there's just what goes into them will be different. Like it's like when people try to graphics comparison, like look how bad this game looks like, well, that's an open, world game versus this game unless you're comparing two games that are apples to apples kind of like uh i don't know i think of like elden ring or like hogwarts legacy or even horizon where they crammed a lot into those games i i don't know uh, or ghost of tsushima something like that which was on ps4 as well i just struggle to think that there wasn't a way that they could have made it work and that this wasn't just a cash grab that's what it feels like and i feel like okay sure you want to split the game up into three different parts so you can so you can pad them out. You can add more to the stories. You can add more to the characters and stuff like that. That's fine. My thing is they keep saying, oh, well, it's a complete experience. You don't have to play the first part to play. You don't have to play Remake to play Rebirth. And it's like, no, I bet you super do because it's going to be really fucking confusing if you jump into Rebirth completely blind. Like, Never playing Final Fantasy VII, never playing Remake, never playing Intergrade or any of that. And it's just going to be like, what the hell 
is happening? What is all of this? What are they talking about? What are they referencing? What? What? So the fact that they keep lamenting on like, oh, these are complete games and complete experiences if you just play them individually. No, they're not, actually. I would even go so far as to argue in order to actually experience Final Fantasy VII Remake, you actually have to have played the original version. Like, Mm. it's not even that you can just play the remake and then rebirth. I think you actually have to play the original game as well. And I don't know. I, I just... I agree. I don't think they're complete experiences, and I think that's the trouble. I think they padded out the games to make money, and by padding out the games, they're trying to complain or they're trying to like claim it's a complete experience when it's really just not. Yeah, yeah, I, like. yeah. I wouldn't say like one by itself like would be complete. I'm just trying to think of like from FF story perception perspective, like where you cut it. I'm like, well, yeah, leaving Midgar is kind of like, yeah. I just i I just can't imagine them. It would have taken so long, and I'm curious, like how big it would have had to be to to fit it on. I, I feel like it seems like more of a situation where like they bit off way. I mean, obviously because they they moved the development team, right? Like it wasn't being developed um, by the team that did it; it was being developed by someone else. And then eventually, they're like now nah, we gotta we gotta move it. So it's got to be like they bit off more than they could chew, and they realized that later. And like, okay, it, we have to kind of split split this up. There's we don't. It would take way too long. And yada yada, but I it would have been interesting if they had done more content, like with the the Ufi DLC that came out, um, the integrate stuff. Like if there had been little extra bits of that, like because I I like that, like oh this is cool, like this is entirely new, seeing it from her perspective, and also that brings in some stuff from the other games as well, uh, dirge and whatnot. But uh, that would have been interesting if they had done like more content like that. But but yeah, it's a uh, See, I feel like the stuff with Intergrade could have been in the base remake if they had fit it in and cut out some of the extra, like, padding stuff. Like, that could have been... There's parts in there where they could have cut away from Mm -hmm. the main story and been like, okay, well, meanwhile, while that's happening, this was also happening kind of thing. And, like, you play that and that fits in instead of being, like, a separate DLC that's not really part of the whole cohesive thing like it just kind of breaks up the the flow of the game so like that would have been interesting yeah i wonder too like when they came up with that right because a lot of times usually it's not like uh most dlc for games is like cut content that then they brought back it's usually stuff they think of after like okay we're done we're just tidying up the main game hey did we have a roadmap for dlc or does anybody have any ideas and then they can get working on it before a game goes gold or whatnot and start doing that production like usually that's how that'll go I think my other critique is that um, they wanted to pad out the game, and I would argue that the content they added to pad out the game was not as good as the original game. So mm-hmm. I, I understand why they padded out the game in the sense of like, well, it is my opinion that they padded out the game in order to make it a cash grab and split the game into multiple parts. However, I, I also think that the content they actually added was worse than the content they cut. So like what we were just talking about with the Integrate DLC, I think that that DLC should have been part of the base game. And I also think that that was better than a lot of the content they did add, um, which mostly I'm thinking of like, I don't know. I don't even know how to talk about the content they did add because almost the entire first game was added content. The Haunted Train section was 
shouldn't have been there. <laughs> like the I, I hated that in the original. I yeah. didn't like it in the remake because it was too long. I was like, I don't need the the children who had died. I don't care. <laughs> and the ghost, like that was like, come on, get me well, out of like. That's why I never, every, I never replayed it. Everything just felt longer. Like the amount of tunnels yeah. I had to run through that were like up and down and around in like really uninteresting tunnels, fighting like two enemies. I'm like, that took like two fucking hours. And then I'm like, why did you add it? it? It's not better than the other parts of the game. People play Final Fantasy because they want to get to the open world. Yeah, it's a uh, that's why I'm also curious because like, OK, they padded out Midgard to make it a little bigger. But the stuff they show for this, I'm like, dude, are you just like, are we going to be beeline it between the major plot points in? Because like it's they do talk about how it's like got tons of hours of content and it's like, OK, well, that includes like obviously side stuff you could do as well but i'm like there's so much stuff and if it's supposed to end where they say it ends i'm like you have to go to so many places <laughs> like i can't imagine what that's going to be like uh from a, a pacing perspective so it's either going to be consolidating all that because obviously the one thing you, you lose is you don't have the the open world just running around like hey what's this little thing here hey what's all the random fights you get into in the open world and yada yada and this and that so it's like okay that could save you some time you're maybe you're not doing the grinding that you would do in the base game or whatnot for gill and xp to go buy something but mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm curious like okay we're seeing so much of the game how how quick are we going to move between like how fast is this going to move uh for how open it is as well like that That'll be interesting to see, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure I'll enjoy it. I mean, it looks it looks gorgeous. I mean, I, I despite the criticisms I have for the the first one, I still uh, enjoyed it. I wouldn't play it initially. That's like, Izzy, you got the platinum in it, right? Yeah, I got the platinum in it. Yeah, I, I would never do that. <laughs> but did I enjoy getting the platinum in it? No, 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 you did not. Yeah, I just um, still did. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see. That uh, and it comes out soon. It comes out uh, end of February next year. It's the leap day, so not not too far off. Yeah, and they did a bunch of hands on with some folks in the U.S. as well, not just the TGS. So a lot of people talked about uh, both Spider Man and uh, Rebirth had hands on oh, uh, this yeah, week right, as well. Right. Yep, a lot of people talking about it, and uh, it was funny because like they they just had like a slideshow of images from the trailer, so like they could see them just like out of context. People that were there, but then they there was other stuff that they didn't show as well so that was still kind of surprising to those folks who were there but but uh but yeah everybody seems to enjoy what they played um but yeah i'll be curious to see how much i'm i'm sure they'll have some sort of st- some sort of story recap for the one because there's that end part of the end of that trailer i'm like this just looks like the fight at the end of the first game mm-hmm. because one only like cloud baratifa and i think red 13 or uh and Aerith are there, but I'm like, okay, none of the newer characters are there, and it looks just like this. I'm like, okay, maybe they do, like, <clears throat> they'll probably have to do a recap. I mean, most games that are like this usually will do, you know, a recap in some fashion of uh, the game that came before it. So I'm wondering if it'll just be, like, a combination of just the all the trailers or all the cutscenes put together. But uh, And then, yeah, movie, that was it for the state of play. Um, we also got news that studio behind Immortals of Avium fortunately had a bunch of layoffs. This is Ascendant Studios. Um, and yeah, they reported that they let go about 45% of the team um, in a difficult decision. Uh, and yeah, obviously that comes on, you know, 
or sales for Immortals of Avian, which is a game that I'm looking forward to playing uh, eventually. It's just, mm-hmm. it's kind of, and it's, again, this goes back to the discussion that I had with uh, one of you <laughs> about how, <laughs> like, Someone. Y- usually when a game comes out and I, I know I'm going to play it and, it, you know, reviews well, I'm going to get it, I like to buy it immediately mm-hmm. because I want to give that support. And this is like an instance where I didn't do that. And obviously, yeah, if I did it, it's like, oh, hey, they're saved. I, right. I, 43 people kept the job. But, you know, me times, you know, how many people also had that same idea, it it caused, this is the problem you always hit. So I'm almost like, I want to, because they don't care necessarily, even if you play it, it's like, they just want that sale. But yeah, it's like, I, I bummed out that A, I didn't support a game that I really wanted to play. And then you had to see these layoffs hit, because for everything I've, everything I've seen, it's like, yeah, people really enjoy it. It's a, a good looking game. It had some, some issues on uh, the consoles, but they patched it out pretty quick. I mean, even games like Jedi Survivor, which have been out for a while, have some, uh, which just got a patch recently. It wasn't necessarily the best, but there are some sections in that game where, like on PS5, like performance still just tanks, like mm-hmm. way below thirty and stuff like that in like just one section. But it's a, uh, but yeah, I, I wanted to play it. It's like, hey, it's you know, people talk about all the time, like new IP, new IP. It's like, here's new IP, and then it's ah, oh, not that, you know, it's like just yeah. like Callisto Protocol, like that's that's like. This is the thing. You ask for it, and it's like, if they give you what you want, that's just giving you the same thing that's probably already out, right? That's why things are so broadly designed to, you know, be exciting to a huge variety of gamers. You know, it's like... I I think the problem is, though, they have to do it well. And I think that's the issue with, like, some of these new IPs, is they're just not doing them well. Like, Well, for everything I've seen, this one did, it's did well. It's not like it reviewed poorly. Mm-hmm. I I don't even know how it reviewed actually. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. Let me look up. I'll pull up the Metacritic. Why? Let me look, open Critic. I mean, okay, it got seven out of ten. Yeah, so an open Critic right now it's at a seventy-two. Uh, IGN gave it an eight. Uh, you're a gamer. Well, you're a gamer. Didn't like it. I I think this is one of those the like, if you're going to make a new IP, it needs to blow people out of the water. It can't be an average new IP. And I think this goes back to like our discussion on Assassin's Creed and. Callisto protocol that it it can't be this is pretty good let's see what they do next it needs to be it needs to blow people out of the water or unfortunately this is like the way it develops is that the studios that develop these like double a games um end up getting bought by someone like microsoft or sony so that they can continue making double a games without having to worry about the income of a triple a game mm-hmm yeah, let me ask you a question then. And you probably okay. won't know the answer to this because you you kind of remember how this read. What was the last brand new IP that came out for a video game that did well? That did well? Yeah, that's doing what you're saying. Like came out, it was a brand new IP. It's not based on comics, not based on a cyberpunk franchise, not based on anything, the the books like The Witcher, nothing like that. It's just a brand new IP from a studio that came out and blew people away. What was the last one that did? I'm not asking like this isn't accusatory. No, no, I'm just I'm, curious because I'm trying to I'm think trying of to, the last one I'm I trying played. To see. I would probably go with Returnal. I mean, the ones yeah, that come I, to my mind are like Returnal and Inscription, um, which you well, can argue in, Inscription let's, is not let's a cut new out indie, cut out indie, cut out indie games because indie games are typically they're like they're indie games are at the forefront of let's try something new, not so, in okay, a triple I would maybe budget. Go with Returnal, Returnal. I don't know if that counts as an indie game or not. That's not indie, but I mean it's 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 Sony first party, but um El- I would Ring. say 
Well, that's yeah. I guess you can call that new. It's still I mean, it's I, a new IP to them. It's a new story. It might have the same structure, but it is a new story, and they did break into open world. Yeah, with it. They did I'll, a I'll lot give new. that. I'll give that to you, like in a kind of iffy because it's still Soulsborne game, just <laughs> open world now. Deathloop. It's like it's like. Uh, yeah, Deathloop. It didn't blow everybody away though. That was kind of like a not divisive, but that was like some people liked it, some people didn't like that. The design. I love Deathloop. Like, I think that's a good that's a good example. Like Ghostwire Tokyo, that's a new one, but that one didn't do well. I think the problem here is like Sony. I actually think is pretty good about giving money to new IPs and new studios. I think that it's when they are not backed by someone like Sony or Microsoft, and I think that's the problem with the game development. Is most of the ones I can think of have funding from maybe Nintendo, but largely yeah, Microsoft it's... or Sony, in order to release their game and make it console exclusive or timed console exclusive. And when they don't do that, I feel like then the new IPs struggle a lot more weirdly enough. Yeah. I think the last big Sony brand new IP was probably Ghost of Tsushima developed by an established studio. But yeah, now I'm really curious, like as a subset to the question, what was the last big new studio like Ascension who came out with something their first game was like, it blows you out of the water by a, it's their studio's first game. Let's see what they do. Yeah, I'd be curious because yeah, I, I, I'm just I trying to think. Like, I, name one. I don't follow studios, so I couldn't tell yeah. you exactly who made what. Yeah, and I can't think of the last. What was the last new IP that Microsoft developed prior to just acquiring people to make new IPs for them? Like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I honestly, I feel like most of the studios that I follow are semi-established. I don't really track new studios releasing new games too much, which I don't think is necessarily a good thing. I think it could be part of the problem, but I I can't think of I can't think of any like that. Yeah, it's hard to hit that are new because, like, typically when I think about people that do new IPs, it was back in the day. It was a PS4 era, like starting then for stuff like Watch Dogs. Even that was a game where I was like, yeah, it's good. Like, it's good, but it's people are necessarily saying, let's wait on the next one, see what it does. But it's like, it did okay. You know, they stuck with it, which is fun to see. You know, Ubisoft is known for doing, they do a lot of, uh, they do a lot of wacky stuff. Like they did a Battle Royale. They did the, the extreme sports game they did. They do a lot of new IP that doesn't always necessarily do well, but at least they're trying stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious now. Yeah, it's just it's it's tough, man, to like just make up a new a new thing and have it just uh I mean, in order to be successful in our games industry with how much games cost, you pretty much need the backing of a major company or else you need to get really fucking lucky and I think that that's really hard for a company to get really lucky when they haven't made a game before. Yeah. Yeah, and like, even 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 these studios that like you take you know when they when they put together these super studios of like x person you know from this company that did this game and y person from this company that led this game even when you put them together it's very rarely actually like it rarely actually works as they market Mm -hmm. it i think games just cost too much to make that's the problem it's like it takes too much time and and too much money to really get it and like i said if you you can have an idea and you can execute on the idea well but then it's like yeah it's like will this will people like or you know obviously you do focus testing and whatnot like that and and at least i mean there's very base call of duty meets magic right so it's like okay it's it's uh i think a problem too with with 
Immortals of Avium is it came out at just a bad time, right? I mean, that's Immortals yeah. of Avium. Immortals of Avium. When did it? When did that launch? That launched on yeah August twenty second. So at the beginning of August, you had Baldur's Gate three came out. Then early access for Starfield was going to come out later that month, like at the end of the month, and then at the beginning of a September. So it's just like a bad spot to be in. And like, that's the other thing too. Like when you launch is like super important. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I mean, yeah, even Sony has had, you know, new IPs that have totally failed, like drawn to death, just like tank back in the day. But that was just also released at a bad time. But yeah, it's, it's, it's gotta be tough. Like to, like I said, if you're, if you're a new studio making some, that's why I'm, I'm curious about everything that Sony has, the studios that they acquired, which were new studios, you know, fire Sprite and whatnot. So I'm curious Obviously, they believe in what they're doing, but at least the benefit of not being independent is that if it fails, Ascendant is also part of EA too. So that's like I'm, uh, EA must have just have uh, acquired them at some point. I'm trying to see in their Wikipedia. Yeah, they. It was founded in 2018 in partnership with. Uh, yeah, EA just became part of their. It was part of the EA's originals program later on so that's probably the pub that's the publisher that they found to do it but yeah they they were found in 2018 so yeah it's just like they're i'm trying to see yeah it's their only game they've done obviously the first game but yeah it's got to be it's got to be tough that's also a weird time to also start to like right on the beginning or the end of the previous cycle going into the new generation just a weird uh a weird time but i wonder too yeah. how much of that is attributed to like people trying to make massive games rather than like one 10 to 15 hour experience that's really really good and like linear and just from start to finish it's a short ride but it's a good ride kind of thing but they're trying to compete with all these massive games where you have like choices that affect the world and you have huge areas to explore and all this other stuff whereas like you see it you see it more with indie games, of course, but the bigger games don't really do this where you you just have a good short experience and it does something that is unique and interesting, but it doesn't overstay its welcome kind of thing. And at the end of the game, you don't like with big AAA games for me anyway, that are really big, you get to the end of the game, you're like, oh, cool, I'm done. I have no desire to like revisit that world or redo it or like. I have that thing is like, oh, I want to replay this, but that was 150 hours of my life and there's just like so much to do and blah, blah, blah. But like you play a, a short game that's really interesting and you get to the end of it and you're like, oh, shit, I want to keep playing this game. Like I want I want more of it. Um, yeah, I don't want it to end kind of thing, but it ends. And then once you get over that kind of initial shock of it actually being over, you're like that was good that was fine i glad i'm glad that it was short i'm glad that i you know got to do everything in the game without committing my life to it for three months kind of thing i feel like if more AAA studios did stuff like that you would see more of the original ip success because it doesn't have to be this huge like trilogy spanning epic saga it's just like we had an idea we did it and it's kind of short but it's really good and i'm I think seeing more of that would see less of this like, oh, we tried a new thing and it didn't work, so we're going to go back to doing um, the same crap that everybody else is doing. Yeah, well, that's the problem, too. I'm curious, like, how much 
shorter game equates to less production cost because like immortals of avium is only 15 hours like if you do this story so it's it's a pretty linear game and even for spoken it's like 14 hours if you just do the main story it says 24th extras there are a lot of extras in the game so obviously you're probably going to be somewhere in between there and that's open world um so you most likely explore but it's like yeah i'm curious you know they're for so they probably gotta they're working with they're one of the f- only games doing like the top using ue5 so like they probably made that transition from four to five maybe at the time uh, mm-hmm. maybe they're early devving so it's like okay maybe what if you didn't do that what if you did something else instead um you know a different version of an engine how would that have changed your game would it have been would that reduce cost yada yada <clears throat> or are you banking on the fact that hey we can be one of the only not only one of the first games using this version of the engine which is being touted you know at at the time you know obviously a lot of stuff they're doing for a ue 5.2 i believe just came out update just came out it's got a lot of stuff like it's got a lot of things working for it. So people are excited about it. So it's like, yeah, you have that, you can have that wow factor of, Hey, look that we're doing stuff with that tech, try to, you know, see what's going on. So, but yeah, they're, I mean, even though, yeah, they partnered with EA originals, they're still private. So they could have got some funding with them, but probably not as much as if they're actually part of EA or part of square, like with Forspoken. Um, but yeah, it's just gotta be, it's tough. Right. I mean, look at days gone. Like that's a game like people like, and even like more after it was out, but like that, they're not going to have a sequel. It's like to Sony didn't do well enough. I mean, that also had an insanely long dev time. So that I, I mm-hmm. can see why, like, you know, you, if you relate dev time to sales, going back again to the buying games of day one, it's like, they look at that first bit. They don't look at the tail, which is a little, a little annoying. I think usually it's only like in, in movies where it's like, Hey, if a movie becomes a, doesn't do well in the theater, but becomes a hit outside of it, then maybe we'll get a sequel later. You don't really mm-hmm. see that with video games. Yeah, it's a it's a bummer. I mean, I'll still play it. At least it's not like, uh, you know, uh, when a, a series, a TV show comes out, like it's like, oh, have you watched this yet? I'm like, no, I'll, I'm I'm gonna watch it eventually. Probably once it's all done, because I want to wait week to week, especially like an HBO show or something like that. And then it's like, oh, they it didn't get renewed for a second season. It's like, oh, okay, well, does it end on a big old cliffhanger? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, yep. It's like, oh, well, I guess I'm not gonna watch it now. So that's unfortunate. I yeah. maybe I should have supported that week to week, but it's like I just <laughs> don't have the time. But yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate. But yeah, moving on then from that. Oh my god! Every time I open the IGN app, it plays that ad. I'm not even clicking on that. It just, and I can't even click the freaking arrow to go back. Stop it, mm-hmm. <laughs> IGN app, man. Oh, this thing is pissing me off. Um, Gosh, just use the mobile site. Yeah, I know that's what I should be doing. But yeah, there was a big leak. We're not gonna go through everything, but like Xbox actually uploaded a bunch of stuff to the server for as part of the FTC. Uh, trial for the acquisition of uh, Activision Blizzard, and there's a bunch of stuff loaded up there that wasn't redacted as part of a PDF. And, like someone found it, and like it's like a huge scoop. It's like the biggest leak for any company. And like obviously, these are like Half Life Two leaked, or you know, you have like the GTA Six information leak and stuff like that. It's like mm-hmm. yeah, there's like single games. This is like business plans, <laughs> who, who who they want to buy. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, it was very everything. very internal things. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I remember easily because it was like, I was like, man, that, that Xbox stuff's nuts. And he's like, oh, what? Just the, I think he only saw like one little bit of it. I was like, dude, everything. And he's like, <laughs> oh, I didn't realize how much there was. Yeah, I saw, I knew about like what they wanted to buy, um, but I hadn't read the full 
like docket of not only what they wanted to buy, but what they thought about people and what they thought about certain games. And it was just kind of like, Jesus fucking Christ, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is everything. Yeah. It's it, that I'm curious, like about that Xbox Series X refresh. That's all. That's adorably all digital. <laughs> like, well, yeah, the X. Well, the one that cracked me up was them wanting to buy Nintendo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ! I mean, like, yeah, if you can buy Nintendo, yes, honestly, that solves all of your problems if you can somehow buy them. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna get. I was gonna get that. But we can jump to now. What What annoys me about that is like people downplay it, like. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, saying it'd be a career-defining moment, and they're, like, saying, oh, yeah, sure, if I bought Nintendo, of course it would be a career-defining moment. Like, everybody wants to buy Nintendo. I'm like, yeah, duh. Obviously, that would be really cool. What's crazy about the email is just he goes, at the end of it, he says, at some point, getting Nintendo would be a career moment, and I honestly believe a good move for both companies. It's just taking a long time for Nintendo to see that their future exists off their own hardware. A long time smiley face so it's like it's that extra comment of him saying yeah like one that yeah duh it'd be great but two like yeah they just don't see it yet like they need to get off their hardware and like obviously this email is from you know august 2020 switch is still doing incredibly well <laughs> you know they had uh mm-hmm. animal crossing came out earlier that year uh but it's just like it's not like it's doing this was like right before we're doing poorly so it's just it's that extra comment that i think is crazy um, I also, I don't remember if there were some rumors that they wanted to buy Warner Brothers because um, they talk about it. It goes, com- you know, confidentially, we have two fairly active mergers and acquisition discussions in gaming right now, Warner Brothers and Cinemax. This is right before the Cinemax acquisition. And I was like, damn, I, I don't remember if Warner Brothers was leaked at all. I was like, because Cinemax got leaked only slightly before it actually got announced. But yeah, so it's like, okay. You know, and then, yeah, sure. Obviously you wanted to know there was another email in here. that was crazy. And no, no one really talks about it where it was, it was some guy, like an engineer, a, a high up engineer at Microsoft emailing Phil Spencer, kind of inquiring about the business practice of game pass and how essentially saying like, how do you quantify a success of a game on game pass from their internal studios? Right. I mean, this is the question everybody fucking asks. Like, how is this profitable for you? Like, how much new players do you have to bring in? How much retention does there have to be for a game to be successful on Game Pass? Because you don't have sales. I mean, obviously you have some sales because people don't want Game Pass. But, you know, like, this is a question everybody wonders. Like, because Netflix doesn't talk about it. They'll just say, like, oh, this series is number one in the world. But they don't give any hard numbers. They just cancel shit, you know, left and right. And this person was just like, doing these serious inquiries, but then Phil just saying like, we don't have one. Like we don't know. Like there is no way to know. Like there's no quantifiable Excel spreadsheet formula that you can run to be like, Hey, if the numbers in red, it underperformed. Like it was crazy that he admits like there is no way to know. And cause they, they questioned him about like uh closures of Lionhead and uh, another studio. And you know, if, if they had been on Game Pass at the time, like would they have closed? And uh, he's like, well, that that wasn't the reason. Like they closed because of leadership issues or you know other problems and whatnot. And I'm like, I feel like it's got to be more than just leadership issues. Like clearly, if those led to poor performance of a game, yeah, you close it. It all kind of goes together, but it's not like you know. Anyways, but it was just it was crazy to me that he just outright said that you know I we have no idea how to tell if it's a uh, working essentially. It's like, 
it, which is nuts to me. I'm like, you gotta like, obviously, yeah, you want to look at retention player base and you can see like, Hey, if every year we're bringing in X amount, let's allocate some of that profit to that revenue to certain of our first parties. But now you have so many cause you bought Zenimax and then you're going to get Activision and they're all going to be on game pass. So except maybe call of duty, but it's like, okay, you're just adding more and more content. I'm like, you can't spread like, Adding content isn't necessarily going to bring a bunch of people, uh, even for a prolonged period of time. Like, here, sure, they might subscribe for a month. Like, that's what I thought about, you know, talk about doing like, oh, I have the two free three-month trials because of the computers that I can play Starfield if I wanted. Or I could wait and, like, play that and, uh, you know, the next Doom Zero, the leaked game that came that was listed in one of the things. Like, okay, I could do that. It's like, but you get no money from me. Or if I did it for a month, it's like, you only get it for a month. It's like, is that... What is it for X? What is it for Game Pass now? Like fifteen dollars a month? Mm, mm, yeah. Is that for Ultimate? 15, Twelve yeah. to fifteen for base because it used to be ten dollars, and I think it went up, mm-hmm. or maybe it's still ten dollars. I don't remember. It went up. Um. So maybe like twelve to fifteen for base, and then twenty ish for Ultimate. Twenty for yeah for P for PC as well. So yeah, it's like okay if I if you release. Three AAA game, three first party studio games a year, which is what you said previously. Um, like that's where you want to be, and which you could get to because now you're gonna, you just bought a bunch of people to make games. You could do that, but it's like okay, that's potentially seventy dollars each. You know, obviously you're not getting all that money; it goes to shipping, manufacturing costs, yada yada, this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like okay, now if I, is it because the the fraction of that cost that you get be it 50% or more. I forget, someone had like a, a guesstimate like in the PS4 generation of how much it costs to like A, to stock on the shelves or how much goes to like GameStop, how much goes to manufacturing, how much goes to this, and like how much of that money pie goes to back to like Sony and whatnot and or Microsoft. But let's say it's like 60%. So 60% of that $70 goes to you. So we're looking like $40. Um, <clears throat> okay. So versus one month at 20 to play that game. So now you're getting 50% uh, or now you're getting even less. You know what I mean? You're getting 50% of the 60%. So it's like, is it worth it if people did that? Because your expectation is that they just let their subscription go. And for a lot of cases, a lot of people do that, which is why they have advertisements on podcasts now for, oh, this app tells you about all the subscriptions you have and you can save money by canceling them, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. So it's like, and people are more cognizant of that wasted subscription money. And not just letting, like, I canceled my Netflix. I'm like, okay, well, there's something currently I'm watching. I'll cancel it. Same with Hulu. I did that a while ago. And I'd probably do the same thing with, like, a with the Game Pass. Like, especially because if it's a multiplayer game, I'll probably just buy it. And, I I mean, I imagine first-party games will be on the service forever versus how they rotate out third-party stuff all the time. But, yeah, I just, I I wish, it's it's... It's not gratifying that he said he doesn't know either. It's more disappointing that, like, I wish you had... Like a hard set rule or some kind of model in place, like because now it's it also just, seems weird. That's just like this is a metric that we look at, but we don't know anything about it. Yeah, it's, I, I I don't know. It's like yeah, we can't. It's 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 got to be tough, right? Because I, I can't imagine. Because yeah, as you keep adding, like if if the annual revenue you're getting from Game Pass isn't keeping up to pace with the budgetary costs of manufacturing all these first party games from the studios you've been buying you're in a bit of a problem and either prices have to go up or you have to reduce the funding that you're giving to your first party studios. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I, 
they because he's always said like oh it's good it's good because everybody's questioned it it's good it's good is what he said in every interview but to have him say in an email they don't know <laughs> like there's no hard and fast rule to see if it's actually performing well or working is super frustrating it kind of goes back to the that they're saying like you know part of the thing was like oh elder scroll six will be exclusive and they reference like a a conversation from someone else but then at the FCC trial, he's like, oh, it's so far out that we aren't really thinking about consoles. It's too far away. But yet they talked previously about how, you know, oh, it'll be exclusive. Like, that's a little annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, come on. But yeah, the, the all digital consoles are really weird. Like, I guess if you, if it's just a mid-gen, but it doesn't, it's a de facto price drop because you're you're getting an extra terabyte of storage. You're also getting the new controller that they're going to be making, um, which will have like haptic feedback. So it's like, okay, you get the upgraded controller, you get an extra gig or extra terabyte. You also get Wi-Fi 6E, which is incredibly fast. My computer has six. Uh, and it's, I'm I'm almost on, it's like almost being on a landline, like just connected wired. So like, it's super quick. I'm also pretty far away um, from where I'm at. So, uh, but yeah, six, Wi-Fi 6 speeds are super fast. 6E is even faster. So it's like, okay, you have that. That's great. But yeah, it's like, okay, how, uh, no, it's not cheaper though. It's the same cost. I'm like, I'm curious who would want just, I mean, they, they also part of this league was saying how about like 75% of their install base is the series S, which they are trailing behind PS five in total sales. I think it's two to one last someone reported on, but I forget when that was. Um, so I'm curious how much of it is. I own a PS5 and I want a series console to play their games. I'll just buy the S versus people who went from an Xbox one X or Xbox one to a series S like, because it came out during the pandemic, you know what I mean? So how much it was people trying to save money because of the pandemic versus people buying it as their second console, Mm -hmm. which seems like the case for both because you're selling so much more of it than you are the X because the X is so much more money than the S. But yeah, anyways, so the S will also have a refresh as well. I believe what they're saying here is they're uh, look at the same Wi-Fi speeds. Um, it says more internal storage. Oh yeah, because I think the S has 500, so now it'll have a terabyte of, of storage. It'll also have the same controller. It'll still be the same price. The best value in next gaming, once again, undisputed. These are like slides, like <laughs> like proposal slides, I suppose, for how they would pitch it in a to the customers. Adorably all digital so funny. <laughs> that two-tone color of the controller looks so weird though. I don't like it. But anyways, yeah, there's that. And then what else came out? There, yeah, a bunch of roadmap for stuff, but the roadmap for games is like from a, a while back. Um, they had like Fallout 3 and Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion remasters on there. Who knows if that's going to happen? A Doom Year Zero game, a sequel to uh, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, I believe was on there, right? But I don't let me see if that's on this list. Hopefully, IGN. Oh my gosh! Hopefully, IGN. Stop scrolling, please. Let me adjust my scroll sensitivity. Let's see. Yeah, Ghostwire Tokyo sequel was scheduled for 2024, but this is from. I'm trying to see if they have the date of this document. This document must have been from the beginning of 2020, um, or at least somewhere in the middle of 2020. So it must have been either right when they, or maybe like right before the acquisition or after the acquisition? Because when did the acquisition for ZeniMax happen? Microsoft wires ZeniMax. God, I don't even remember after all the fucking Blizzard shit. 
I hate when I open up an article and it doesn't have a date. <laughs> just says last September. So it's like September 2020 is when they is when it happens. So it looks like, uh, and then they completed the acquisition in March of the following year. Um, so they yeah, announced it September 20th. Okay, that makes sense. So they announced the the stuff. This email clearly came out because it, it lists fiscal year 20 end or uh, 2020. So it's like this must have happened before then. So Deathloop didn't come out until later. Not Deathloop. Sorry, Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh, Ghost of Toko came out in 2022, so I'm curious if that sequel got scrapped because it did not do well. But yeah, I'm I'm the Doom stuff, the Fallout 3 remastered. I'm like, I guess. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'd played it. Like, it depends on how it looked. If it even comes to PlayStation, <laughs> but and uh, people talk about Oblivion. I don't know why I, I didn't like Oblivion. I played it, but that was also way back in the day. Maybe I'd enjoy it more now. Oblivion was good with mods. Oblivion was a a much better game on computer with mods yeah i only played it for a bit when it came to ps3 and it was okay i i back then i hated enemies leveling up with you when you leveled that annoyed me i didn't like it at all but yeah they list a lot of stuff in there um so you can check that out for the games but uh and then yeah planning to release their next gen console 2028 yada yada it's like okay yeah we figured but also talking about hey, having like a subscription service as well and apparently a uh, all this other stuff it's like okay so a lot of a lot of interesting things coming out of the uh, the leaks. The the Phil's comments on the PS5 reveal are really funny to me. Let's see where, where's the email that he wrote. Now ah, we won't get into it, but he basically just saying like, "Oh, we look good," you know, yada yada. It's like obviously this is right before the consoles launched. It's like clearly you got to have the games to back up that that sentiment. But right. yeah, a lot of crazy stuff out of out of that. All right, yeah, so we'll just go ahead and jump into what we've been playing. I know Izzy doesn't have a lot of time. Um, we have about 10 minutes, uh, but hopefully you can talk about your experience with Baldur's Gate. Uh, if you got more, maybe we can try to get a, a secondary session in to cut in here. But um, yeah, have you been uh, enjoying Baldur's Gate 3? I've been, I've been liking it a lot so far. Um, it's kind of incredible how... It's incredible how much stuff you can do in the game and how creative you can get, and I've loved that in the game. I don't think I'm actually far at all. I, man, I'm moving through this game slowly. Like, I am meticulously going through each area. It's it's just a really interesting game with how many different approaches you can take. And I'm continually surprised at how many times I try something and I'm like, there's no way this will work. And then I try it and it actually works. Like, throwing grease on something when you need a strength check reduces the strength check. And I did that mm -hmm. accidentally just because it greases the object. But yep. there are so many tiny little interactions like that. You know, uh, electrifying water, which you, uh, makes sense, but uh, you just don't always expect it to actually happen. I went to the goblin camp, and I told you I, I didn't want to smear feces on my face to get into the goblin camp. Mm -hmm. um, so I went exploring for other ways around, and there's like four other ways you can enter there. It's just like, mm -hmm. if you don't want to do something one way, there are so many different ways you can do it and i've really enjoyed that so far you know take that poop and throw it in their face kill those guys and then go into the camp normally anyways they're not necessarily well, they're not the too. gatekeepers <laughs> yeah yeah I, that's what i did i'm like sure i'll take it and then i just shoved hit his face and killed everybody in that that little outpost and then i just went to camp and they're like hey come on in that's right um, yeah or like there was a there was an area where, like, um, a little kid, I was buying shit from him, and then I failed a perception check, and he stole from me, and it started a quest to 
uh, get your belongings back. Mm-hmm. And tiefling. yeah, even there, there were like, I'm trying Mole. not to spoiler things too much, but there were like three different ways you could find to get your belongings back and like identify that it was the child who did it. You know, you could talk to the child and accuse him and then he breaks down because he's a little kid. You can just stumble upon where the actual hideout is. You can do other mm-hmm. quests to raise your standing with the tieflings so that they just tell you where it is. And that kind of gameplay with everything has been pretty fun so far. Yeah, there's there's something uh, at the co- Goblin Camp you can do that I didn't even consider. That sounds really interesting. I'm curious how it would change a part of that. And like I had, I had an instance... Actually, I mean, I should really just let you keep talking about the game. Um, <laughs> like I, you're just talking about how going about different stuff. Like I had, an instance, I was doing like a a boss fight last night, finishing up someone's quest line, and I like I noticed something. I'm like, oh, that makes sense, um, lore wise, that this would happen. And then I got curious about a spell that I never use because I don't need it. And I'm like, I wonder if I can because I I lost the fight um, because of the way something happens. Um, and so I'm like, okay, I'll do it again. But I'm like, I'm wondering if I could do this. And like, I cast this spell to like replicate this other thing I noticed. And like, it just allows you to cheese the boss without ever fighting the boss. Um, you still have to fight, like after you quote unquote kill them, you still have to fight their, like all these other minions in the area in order to actually get to the, like the thing you need to get to. But I was like, I just cheese it. And like, they don't react. They just take DOT or and stuff. And then they just die. And then, I was like, wow, you could just cheese it like this. And I'm like, that's so ridiculous. And then I, I didn't do that. I like reloaded and went back. The one thing that's weird is like, it's a fight where if you walk up and trigger the conversation, one of your people gets kind of like incapacitated. Um, it, it's part of their quest line. So it just has to happen. It's like, it's part of their, they, they do something, they get incapacitated. So they're not in the fight with you. But if you just go up and just attack to initiate the fight, it just skips that. So now they're in your, they're in your group. And I kind of wish they would find a way to, not like maybe they do like if i let the turn orders go through the person could like still do like a spell or something to put that person make them incapacitated like they're supposed to be which would be interesting but i was like yeah I'm like okay that's it because i'm kind of like i'm getting by just initiating the fight and not having the conversation i'm getting an extra person essentially right from the start which i thought was a uh, you know i was like okay the fight i i i am at max level so it's like that that thing too is like the fight wasn't super crazy. It was still fun, uh, pretty quick to do. And you know how to fight everybody else. But um, I was gonna say semi spoilers for a Goblin Camp. If you want to cut this out or don't listen, but uh, I haven't wiped out the Goblin Camp yet. But even investigating how to wipe out the Goblin Camp, I found out like three different paths you can take for killing them all. Like I talked to one of the spiders, and if you have speak with animals on, you can can like you can convince the spiders to go up and start fighting the goblins for you. Um, yeah. It seems like you can do a stealthy approach where you like separate all of the goblin leaders when you're trying to kill them and just like pick them off one by one, which is probably the approach I'll take. But then I've also like I convinced the ogres to help me, so I could just summon the ogres and just go ham. There are so many different approaches you can take for everything. There's one, and you probably won't do it just because you lose out on the items that the person is carrying. But there's one person like you just tell them like, "Hey, yeah, I'll help you out," and like they just walk across the bridge. And the you just shoot the break. ropes. Yeah, yeah. I saw and it's that. like okay, it's like, and you could. There's another person you can like just shove off into a pit, and they just like at, at bottomless pit they die. But it's like you just don't get the items that they have, and like they have uh, you lose out on the the brain, the worms, and whatnot, yeah. the tadpoles. So you you don't have to. It's like it's fun that you can cheese it this way. But it's like, yeah, again, you, you lose out on the stuff. Um, 
I would, I would, adv- well, I'm not going to advise anything, but, uh, yeah, don't, but yeah. don't advise anything. Let yeah. me, let me it'll be fun. It, it's always fun when I find out about how you could do things after the fact, like that's, there's something, like I said, one of the things about the band, the goblin camp I found out about later, I was like, Oh, that's really cool. I should have done that to, to, for X, Y, Z, but I, I didn't do it. Um, one of the things I want to try that I know you could do in divinity and I haven't tried in Baldur's Gate yet is, um, I have a lot of poisons and I keep seeing the goblins eating everything and I haven't tried poisoning their food yet, but I'm curious if that's something you can actually do in Baldur's Gate. I want to probably try that tonight. Yeah. The one thing I, I, I do kind of miss from divinity is the elves in divinity can eat flesh and get the memories of the dead person. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I love that mechanic so much more than, speak with the speak dead. to the dead because yeah. it's just i mean i do love speak to the dead because like i love the animation like your character's eyes going like just raising the corpse up and like the corpse regards you lifelessly and you asking questions but i i do love the idea of just taking sibyl and just being like munch 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 on a foot and being like hey i learned where something is like the that plus the flesh you, thing was a fun little twist on it yeah it because you get hp back i'm like it's so it's so cool i was like i love that um i kind of wish they I do like that you can do speak with the dead though, and then if you do disguise self on the person speaking with the dead, you can get different information depending on who you're appearing as. Yeah, because you if you uh like speak to the dead, people won't talk to you if you're the person that killed them. Yeah, but if you change, yeah, you change how you look, then they'll talk to you. Yeah. Um, so I've I've just I've really enjoyed the game. I want to beat the Goblin Camp today, and then that's probably going to be my goal for uh, how to tackle it. Yeah, and if we have time later, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely like to. Try to sit down and uh, just have you go off about more uh, more thoughts on Baldur's Gate um, yep. <laughs> if I can stitch in. So, but uh, all, right. all right, we'll let you bounce out later. Bye. Later. Uh, all right, so I would have. Uh, I saw you playing. You're playing a game. I saw Dan Tag was also playing called Moonrise. Moonstone Island. Moonstone Island. That's right. Moon, I, Moonrise is from a tower in Baldur's Gate. Uh, Moonstone Island. <laughs> so um, I finished Sea of Stars. That kind of earlier when I was talking about like, oh, you finish a game and you really don't want it to end. Um, I I legitimately cried because I finished these stars. I was like, I, I want to keep playing this game. It's not particularly sad. I just am really sad that the game is over. That game was so good. And that's a it's a like smaller studio uh, indie game kind of thing. But that's what I'm talking about. Like I 100 percent completed that game. Mm-hmm. 20 30 hours maybe and from like start to finish so good it was so fun it was so interesting the pixel art is phenomenal absolutely loved it um so after i finished that i didn't really play anything else just kind of been doing star rail and other stupid little mobile games to kill time at work pretty much um and then moonstone island came out and i kind of forgot the I had that on my wish list and I got the email that it's like, Hey, it's out now. And I went, Oh, I want to play that game. Um, and now I'm completely and utterly addicted to it. It's so fun. How was the writing in, uh, sea of stars? Uh, it's pretty good. I wouldn't say it's like, like square Enix tier kind of writing or anything like that, but it was, it was good. It was easy to follow the story there were nice little moments between the characters and like a little bit of humor here and there and stuff like that. Um, there were some moments where it was like, it felt a little stiff or a little bit rushed, but other than that, it was fine. 
good. Yeah, I, I I heard someone on like on a podcast who played it saying that like uh it felt like it was written by an AI. And I was like, but but someone else like really liked it. They're like, wow, you really didn't like the game. Huh? I was like, I, I didn't think the writing was that bad. I really liked the story. So I was I was yeah. just curious, like that seemed like an interesting take. It felt like there were a couple little parts where maybe they didn't have time to maybe refine the interactions. Like they were just kind of yeah, I think the best way to describe it is it feels a little rushed. Like I feel like a conversation ended a little bit early and it's like, oh, I guess we're just done talking about that and we're moving on kind of thing. But it wasn't really like odd or off or anything like that. It didn't didn't feel generated. That's really funny though. Yeah. It 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 just yeah, it sounded really funny. I was like, all right. I okay, uh, that's fair, I guess. Yeah. No, it's fine. Um but yeah, so you're really enjoying the uh, the other game, though? Yeah, so Moonstone Island is basically, I would describe it as a game made for me. It's kind of a mix between Ooblets and Stardew Valley and, I don't know, maybe just that kind of, that kind of vibe to it. Little pixel art game, it's super cute. It's not like, some of the controls are a little wonky and a little kind of like finicky especially with the farming aspect and stuff like that. But it may just be me like going into that game, coming off of something like Core Keeper, where it was just like such a refined experience and everything kind of made sense. I just keep hitting the wrong button. So it might be a me kind of thing. But um, it's got like, you have like farming where you can build up your little farm and do item, like get items to make potions and concoctions and other little things. Um, you have the kind of like building decorating aspect where you have just like this whole island where you can pick anywhere that you want to put your little base and you can craft things for your little home. But the main part of the game is going out and exploring all of these little islands and getting spirits that you can tame to fight with you on your little uh, your team. Mm-hmm. And it's all like card based battle. So they all have like little decks of cards. And then later on, you can purchase cards to kind of supplement their little their decks, but they're not beholden to specific creatures or anything like that. There's like they all have elements. They all have like different elemental weaknesses and stuff like that. But the really interesting thing is that they all each spirit has its own set of like weaknesses they're all they all do the same kind of element but you can get a water type spirit that has weakness to like electric and earth or something like that but you can also get that same spirit that has different weaknesses so it's really interesting to like find a spirit that you like that like has the deck and stuff like that but you want to use it for something specific well you can go out and try to find if you're like really committed to hunting or the grind or anything like that, you can go out and find one that has specific weaknesses so that it won't be as susceptible to break or extra damage as maybe the one that you already have kind of thing. So I really like that aspect. Like I have one spirit that I really, really like. And funnily enough, it's a crossover from Ooblets. You can get a little rad lad. Little, little radish man and i was like yay that's my little guy i got him but he the one that i got is weak to 
water damage. And I was like, well, that's no good because the boss that I have to fight right now does water damage. And so I was just running around doing little sub dungeon things. And I found another one that didn't have the water weakness. And I was like, oh, I'll just get that one and level that one up and I can take that to the next dungeon. So there's a lot of little stuff like that. You can you can very much like min max your little party, I guess, if you wanted to, or if you could like build a party that's specific to whatever dungeon or boss you're going to fight next. So it's definitely got me in that loop of like, oh, I'll just play one more day and you start the next day and you're like, oh, well, yeah, I'll just go check this and okay, well, I'll go do this and, you know, I'll do all my little farming and, and stuff. Okay, well, I'll, there's like three more hours left in the day. I'll, I might as well do uh, some some mining or something and, oh, I need some wood actually. And No, the day's over. I'll just do one more day. Just one more day. Actually do the thing that I wanted to do in the first place. So, and then it's one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's how I am with Baldur's Gate. I'm like, mm-hmm exploring an area and i'm like oh i'll just uh i'll just quick save here and i'll just run ahead see what what's up here ahead and it's like oh some more stuff to find no i keep doing that until i run into a a fight and i'm like okay i won't do this fight and i'll, <laughs> I'll stop here but then a lot of times like i'm just exploring the area i'm like oh this is oh it's a puzzle i gotta stop oh it's this thing i gotta do uh, and then I, next mm-hmm. thing you know it's it's past where i want to go to bed yeah, but pretty much yeah i've just been uh just playing Baldur's gate uh still have to clean up a lot of uh finish up a lot of quests in there uh, to close out stuff that's uh, to get near the end. Um, I finished off a major one character's uh, storyline last night, and uh, which was really good. I really liked where it went. Um, and having I had brought them whenever I finish someone's story, I, I like to bring them. It's funny, I actually light spoilers um, <laughs> for someone else, but like there's a part part in the game where someone randomly in your group in act three will leave. Who's not in your main group. I don't know if it's the same person every time or if it's just, I think it's randomized. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's a a bit where a person leaves and you find out, Oh, they've been kidnapped um, by one of the the baddies. So that'll happen. But if obviously if you're not using that person, your party, it doesn't really matter. But I was like, Oh, I'll go uh, complete this person's side quest. And I'm like, Oh wait, I was like, why aren't they in the camp? Like, Oh yeah, that's right. They got kidnapped. <laughs> I was like, I gotta go rescue them. Um, but yeah, so I, I finished off someone else's story and I had them in my group and uh it was basically a Starian storyline. And yeah, I thought it was just it was just really good. Definitely keep the characters with you when you complete their stories and stuff. Cause I like I didn't do that with Will when I completed some of his story bits in act two. But again, he knows about them uh when you talk to him later, like, okay, yeah, this happened. But when I do his bit, I will take him along to to finish off his uh, some of his stuff. I mean, I essentially did finish his storyline in Act 3, but there's like an epilogue bit that you find out about, which mm. is really curious. Like, I don't know how you would stumble across, like leads to like a secret area. I'm curious if you could have figured it out on your own without having done all of his stuff and then doing an extra thing on top of his thing, but without giving spoilers. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm really curious like how that would, I have to go do that. But yeah, Asterian storyline I, I really liked. I uh I'm curious how what would have happened if I went like the other decision, like it's got a, a multiple choice kind of ending for his thing, and I I talked him down to to kind of do a certain thing. But uh uh but yeah, it's I, I really liked his thing. Like I his the character performance. This is what's gonna I think it's gonna be crazy this year, is 
when the Game Awards has best character, I'm like, you know, when it was the last of us, it was like Laura Bailey and uh, Ashley Johnson, right? And then I think maybe Troy Baker. Um, it's like you have like multiple people. It's like, oh, God of War came out. Oh, it's Chris Judge. It's, uh, you know, it's Balder and and uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the, the kid's name for Atreus. But it's like it's it's like them. And then also uh, it's like everybody from God of War. Right. Um, even at like the BAFTAs and whatnot, like it's always like this. And like, OK, yeah, maybe you get, you know, uh, what's his name from Red Dead Redemption 2. But it's like always like one character from a game. I'm like. It's going to be like all the characters from Boulder Skate 3. I'm like, there's no way. Like, yeah, maybe you'll have your, your, your uh, Lowenthal and uh, I apologize for blanking on who plays Miles in Spider-Man. Yeah, maybe you'll have them. I don't know who you get from Starfield. It seems like they're, you know, pretty straightforward kind of performances. But I'm like, they're going to nominate like, and it's like, it probably won't be everybody. Like, because there's some villains. That, oh, I, I learned too. I didn't know this, but um, oh, what's her name? Maggie. What's her, the who played Lady Dimitrescu in Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, she voices uh, a character in Baldur's Gate 3 later on. And I was like, I didn't realize it was her until like I saw like a YouTube recommendation for like, oh, recording sessions or this and that. I'm like, oh, shoot. And I listened to her again. I'm like, it is her. And I was like, damn, I didn't <laughs> notice that. Like, it was a good job. Like, it was one of those things like, you know, you don't want like the the Morgan Freeman, like, oh, I know it's Morgan Freeman. Uh, yeah. It's like, she's clearly doing some of their voice. I was like, oh yeah, it is her. Um, so that was really cool. But like, I'm like, yeah, they're going to like, I mean, Raphael's really good and he's not like a main character. He's like a side character villain kind of dude. I'm like, I don't I, and then, yeah. And then Asterian, Lysel, Shadowheart, Gale, Will. Like, I'm like, it's, it's going to be like, they're just going to have to pick. I got, I'm, I would bet it's going to be Asterian, that voice actor, probably Lysel's, probably Shadowheart. Like if they had to whittle it down just based on the fact that I feel like those are the most that the press are using. Oh, and Carlac. So I feel like it'll probably be those. I feel like it seems like Gail's not necessarily in everybody's party. Um, so I, I don't think they'll have enough time with that voice actor to realize how, how good he is. Same for, for Will and like all, like, cause there's too many characters, right? But I feel like whoever most of the games we need who vote is doing the voting used in their party will probably be the ones who are nominated. Um, and shame that the main character can't be nominated. Cause like, I, I like my characters always, but it's, it's funny. They, they got all the, like, I, I never watched D and D played live. I, I don't care enough about D and D. I never do an, watching that, but they got all of the people, all the voice actors together to play with a, another D and D YouTube page. High roll. I think, I don't know what they're called. High something. Um, but they're playing themselves, like their characters in the game. Uh, and it takes place like in the world after like a certain bit. And so I like, I start, I'm like, I'm going to watch this. Cause like they're doing the voices They're They are their characters. And it's really fun to see them. Cause I've spent so much time with these people in Baldur's Gate three. Like it's fun to see them, the actors playing D and D together. I'm like, this is fun. I'm like, I like this. <laughs> like, uh, but it's like, two hours, like two and a half hours, like the first video. And there's like a part two and I'm only like 40, 50 minutes in. But, uh, cause like with D and D it's, they, it moves pretty slow, but it is fun hearing them just interact. And I think that's where the entertainment comes from. And I'm, I'm sure that's why people probably watch D and D to begin with. I mean, there's this thing in Baldur's gate where in the subreddit, I, I keep getting it recommended. Uh, cause I see a link are also like, and you know, Reddit's like, Oh, you visited the page once. Now it's going to show up on your home as a suggested subreddit. I'm like, stop it. But uh, and I can't turn that off. Like you can't be like, don't do this. Um, 
but yeah, ball, people keep talking about like calling them character their characters Tav. And I was like, oh yeah, my Tav did this, my Tav did that. And I'm like, is this some weird like D and D thing that I don't know about? Mm. So I, I like I Googled it and I was like, D and D Tav. And then like one of the results is why does everybody keep calling their character Tav in Baldur's Gate? And what it is, is that when you make a custom character, the default name for everybody when they do that is Tav. And then you can change the name. And so I, and but I think some people must miss where where you can change names. They just have a bunch of custom characters called Tav. Um, so that just became like the default for main character is just no matter what you name character, it's like your character is Tav. So it's like, it's mm-hmm. a meme. And I'm like, wow, I, I, Surprised I didn't see this earlier or know about this considering how much I've been, you know, enjoying Baldur's Gate and not that I'm browsing the subreddit, but like I figured I would have figured this out, but I just thought it was really funny. Like I thought it was like a, I thought it was an acronym for something from <laughs> D&D, but it's like, no, it's just a, it's a meme. Um, it's like what people yeah. are calling their characters now rather than like, oh, show me your MC. It's like, show me your Tav. <laughs> yeah. What's the other one? Your Tune. Tune's the one yeah. that used to annoy me like crazy. Because uh, don't, don't they call them that in like WoW or something? So like when people came to FF14, they kept calling them tunes. Mm. And I'm like, stop, please. <laughs> stop. Just call them like Char or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like an oh, old, man. old, old MMO character uh-huh. term. Yeah. Yeah. But uh but yeah, so I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, really enjoying the game. It's it's still just a lot of fun. I wish I was able to move through it quick. I just haven't had much time to to game recently. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm still I'm there's just so much to do in Act Three. I'm I've found more body parts for the the clown I talked about previously. We're like, it's just, you just got to explore. Like, it's it's so crazy, like, how much it'd be like, uh, you know, I just walk around like, oh, I can go in this building. I'll just go in the building. Oh, the door's locked. I'm going to pick this lock. And it's like doing that. Like, I opened a door and there's just a bunch of dead people inside and dead bugs. And I'm like, what the hell happened in here? Like, go in the basement and there's just like more dead people. It's like a ritual circle. I found like one of the body parts for this for the clown. I'm like, okay, uh, I, I found the clown part. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just need one more uh, to finish up that side quest. But but yeah, it's just a it's just a good game. Uh, it's interesting I, I, because I'm using a Starian, I I leveled them up uh, as a thief, rogue thief, and playing him in a way that I don't play my main character as a ranger who also has some of the same kind of similar abilities. Yeah. I, I was trying to like spec him out for a certain way with a, a handbow. Cause like you can do wield handbows, which is like a super OP build, but I only have one of them. I, I missed one in act two. Uh, and there's like supposed to be a way that you could duplicate it. I think they patch it out. There used to be a way like you can duplicate weapons where in act three, there's like a, a person in the circus area who like builds you a statue for like 5,000 gold. And I think a perk of having the statue is you also get a permanent bless buff on your character. Uh, which like gives you an additional 1d4 on save checks and attack rolls, which is like really good. But it also has like whatever weapon you're carrying at the time is also on the statue and you can disarm the statue and get it. I tried it. It didn't work. So I think they must've patched it out. Cause like I, I heard about it a while ago. So it must've been like an old tactic that they, they removed since removed, but Oh, speaking of which they had a patch went live, a patch 1.3 added max support. Um, they added a magic mirror to allow you to change the appearance of your character. You can't change your race but you can change all the other appearances about them. So if you want to like say like, Oh, maybe they got some battle scars now or something, you can do that. Or maybe you don't like the way they look. Uh, you can change off. So you can do that. Um, you can't respec them or anything. Uh, well, respec is with the, with withers. You can do that, but you can't like change any major things. Their backgrounds. You can't change just, just the appearance kind of stuff. Mm. But one of the patch notes 
reads, um, and I told the story on the podcast previously, the patch note goes, <clears throat> you can no longer arrange for a coffin to be made for the bereaved couple's child, murder the coffin maker, then go back and tell the couple everything was a-okay. This was a bug. You monsters. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, how do you, it's like when we talk about the, the, pat, the patches we didn't read on the podcast recently, where it's like, oh, if you put a dead body of a character into a box and then take that box and knead it into a chasm, it's no longer glitched where you can't revive them back at, at, a at, with withers or whatever. And I'm like, like, how would you figure this stuff out? And, and who is people going like, Hey, I need you to make a coffin for the, the dead kid. And like, okay, I'll do it. And then you kill the coffin maker and tell the parents it's a, it's all good to go. Like, I don't know. Cause again, that's not a side quest. It's just like a little thing you can do. And it's so weird. I'm like, this was a bug. You monsters. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> and that um, was prevalent enough for them to fix that bug and put it in the patch mm-hmm. notes. Like it wasn't yeah, just one person that did that. Yeah. It's like enough people are doing it. Like, like, yeah, I, I wish on the, like, Hey, Hey, Joe, Joe, come here. Look at this. Look at this. Look how many people are, are killing the common maker and tell the parents it's all good. <laughs> but it, that's that's so funny. It's like I, I want to like scour the patch notes for uh, funny bits like that. But then a, a lot of the patch notes also contain like when they post them on Steam, they can put spoiler tags on them, um, but they can't fit all the patch notes on Steam. There's like a limit. Uh, so you have to go to the website to see like everything, but they can't they don't censor them on their their own website, I guess. So it's unfortunate. But uh but yeah, a lot of a lot of patches. Then it's funny every time they patch something. Like I didn't realize this was the problem. Um, so I'm curious, like how frequent a bug that they fix actually happens. You know, like it can't be that much because uh, I, I, well, I didn't experience. Like yeah, probably have to do like certain specific things to actually uh, get it to proc that way. But yeah, funny patch. But yeah, really enjoying the game. Um, hopefully, I'll be able to get on uh, with Izzy later to get some more of his thoughts. Granted, he's not. From the sound of he's not super far in Act One, but um, maybe he'll be able to play some more and, and talk about it. Yeah, because I'm I'm really curious. So spoilers for anybody in Act One. Hopefully you're out of it not right now. But uh, for the when he talked about po- uh, doing poison, there is a thing like you can poison the the beer, <laughs> and like all the goblins who are drunk outside in the goblin camp, because you if you like there's some people in there you have to. Well, you don't have to kill, but you have the option to kill them as part of a quest. And if you do that, obviously everybody becomes hostile. So now you can leave after you kill the three people inside, like in a temple, and then you can just fast travel out of there. But if you exit the front door, like all the goblins outside who are partying fight you. And it's like a pretty tough fight. What the, what I did, with those, I just fast traveled out of it and then went back later and like attacked from a, a more advantageous position and then took everybody out. Um, but if you poison them, it makes that fight a lot easier, I guess. Um, or if you have the the ogres like he does to help you fight in that battle. So I'd be curious if he uses it then. Um, Cause that's like, if I had done that, I would have used the ogres there, but I instead I killed the ogres um, and took their, took their stuff. But <laughs> yeah, it's just a, it's just a really fun game. Um, and there's so many things too, like, well, I'll do something. I'd be curious, like, okay, well, how would this affect the world? How would this affect the world? Cause like, especially with the staring, like there's a thing in act one where like, there's like a monster hunter who's like looking for him. It's like Gail Rivia's brothers just there. Like I'm, I'm looking for a monster. And, uh, and he doesn't know it's a staring himself, but he's like looking for something. And you can just give up a staring right there and turn him over if you wanted. And like, he gets taken away. So I'm like curious what would happen if you did that. 
and what would be the consequences? Like, I have an idea based on where his story goes, but I'm curious, like, okay, well, how would that play out now? Like, what what would happen, like, yada yadas with, with this thing and this and that? So it's uh, pretty curious, but... Or does it let you actually turn him over or you just go back to camp or whatever or, or have him in your party and he just steps up and is like, what the fuck are you doing? And walks away or no. something. No, because he I know for sure that he's gone if you turn him over. Like he's out of your party. Like oh, really? he doesn't come. Yeah. And I I know like based on his what his storyline does, like um I know that there's part of it of what happens uh, mm. if he's gone, but I also, because of that, I assume this other thing happens as well because there's a reason he's trying to be found. Um, and I'm pretty sure like that's where it goes. And obviously I can look it up if I want. Now, maybe I will. I'll just see like, oh, what happens to Styrian if, if this and just look at the whole thing because <laughs> I don't want to play. I won't want to play that way. We're like, hey, let's give him up. Yada yada. So I'll probably just find out what happens uh, now that I've completed his quest. I'll probably just go back and and look up a YouTube video because I I assume it goes this way and I just I need confirmation. But um, yeah, his his quest line's interesting. Uh, and like I said, I I his performance is really good, especially in the end there. Um, I there's a lot of stuff I, I wish I could talk about, but uh, but yeah, man, Game Awards for best character. I'm I'm really curious how that's going to go this year. It's, <laughs> it's just going to be fucking stacked. Mm-hmm. Um, but. But yeah, it's a great time. I look forward to playing uh, more of it. And then, yeah, there's just so much. I entered in a, a raffle for Jedi Survivor, so I'll see if I can win that. Because uh, I, I thought I bought it, um, and I guess I didn't. Uh, <laughs> the only game I, I bought was uh, Plague Tale Requiem. Um, mm-hmm. I think I, I must have been like, oh, I'll buy this Jedi right away because I'll play it soon. But then I I didn't have time to play it. So uh, I'll see if I can get there. I've just got to decide if I want to play on ps5 run uh i'll probably get it for ps5 and just play there because now it's been patched to to run a little better but yeah the cyberpunk 2.0 update we didn't talk about that but that that came out this week because phantom liberty comes out soon i was like man it's on sale on steam i wish it was on sale for a little more because i could totally see picking it up and playing it just to get like all that ray tracing goodness because they've also they're adding uh they added dlss 3.5 to it um and it just looks real good uh with that, it's like, man, I could, I should totally just play it on a Phantom Liberty on, on PC. Cause you can just, it's one of those expansions where like you can just go to it and it's like, oh, we can, we'll just auto level up your character to this and you can respect them if you want to. But they like give you like a default, this is what you are mm-hmm. and you can just change it. But uh, I thought that's pretty cool. But yeah, some of the overhauls is like, yeah, cause I did restart it on PS5 a while back, but I was like, I don't know if I want to play through a bunch of the game and then go to the DLC, probably just go straight to the DLC. I don't know when I'll get to it, but it can reduce for our same. It's like, it's really good. So I'll have to, uh, it's on my list of stuff to play, but <laughs> when I'll get to it. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. We'll go ahead and call it. I've been going on for quite a while. Like I said, a lot of stuff from Microsoft and whatnot. Mm. We went over. So a lot yeah. of shit all at once. Hey guys, future JCM here. I'm, I'm cutting in with the, a bit with just Isley since he had a bounce earlier in the episode. Uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about Baldur's Gate 3 some more. I know I talked about it some more with uh, Zaya. had a little bit of spoiler stuff with her since it's okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, Isley, you said you, you finished the uh, the Goblin Camp? Yeah, I wiped all those fuckers out. Killed, all right, killed so, them all. So how did you... Uh, 
did you just for the three goblin leaders did you just take them out one by one um so i uh priestess gut i accepted her offer not accepted her offer she had a like a dialogue tree that um i refused her branding and then she gave me a dialogue option of like you know let's talk in private so we went to a private room and then i saw that there was a wardrobe there so i cast silence on her and then killed her in silence and there's my alarm going off um killed her under the silent spell so that she couldn't scream for reinforcements and help so that took care mm -hmm. of her um Mintharo was a pain in the ass one because there's that stupid all-seeing eye that uh, wiped me twice when trying to take out Mintharo because it would summon <laughs> the entire goblin camp. So, you know, I can see the eye, um, but like I couldn't damage it. So <laughs> eventually I just got fed up and on the attempt that worked, I just shoved the eye into the chasm below so that it died. And then it couldn't call for reinforcements and there were like two goblins on uh the side of the bridge near reinforcements and then it was minthara and like another goblin so i quickly killed those two goblins which left minthara who was a pain in the ass because she has like 16 actions a turn um so i, I ended up just casting hold person on her and killing her nuking her down um, and then the final one, uh, Rags, Razglin, Ragslin, something like that, um, the Hobgoblin, I climbed up into the rafters after mm -hmm. arranging a bunch of barrels around him, and then I go. just exploded him. <laughs> um, I, I rained fire from above. It set off a chain of explosions, which wiped almost everyone the first turn, and there were like one or two reinforcements that came. So that took care of the main three leaders. Then I, you know, as I'm leaving, all of the fights were smaller. So I wasn't able to try and poison them. Not that it's not possible, just that I couldn't figure out how to pull it off without people spotting me or like stealthily. So every time I tried fucking with things, it just aggroed all of the goblin camp outside. And it wasn't the, um, wasn't the route I was trying to take so i i just killed them all the old-fashioned way which wasn't too bad since they all have you know like 10 15 hp yeah there's just so many i mean when like when i first left that area i was like oh no i gotta leave because uh halson's like oh, i'm not gonna get out of here and then i'm like okay i know i'm looking for some hidden temple in here somewhere as well i was like I, i'm having trouble finding it right now and i was like i gotta get out of here and as soon as i walk out that door it's like everybody aggro's like oops and there's the big ogre right there and i just i died so it's like how am i gonna get out of here without fighting so i'm like fast travel like i forgot fast travel was the thing because i'd been just yeah. running around the map and not fast traveling uh so i fast travel i was like i'll deal with these guys later and i just i came at them from a different route and got like a I, I i'm just repeating what i said earlier in the podcast desire but i came at it from just a different angle yeah there is a did you look up how to use the poison no is there actually a way to do that yeah since they're all drinking you go to like where the beer keg is and you just poison that Oh, I was trying to figure out how to poison the uh, the meat. Uh, yeah, the meats. Like I, I didn't even think of the drinking the beer keg thing, but that would have been good too. What does that do? Does that instantly kill all of them, or does it just give them the poisoned condition? I think it just gives them the poisoned condition. But like I said, their health's so low. Anyways, I think it probably can take them out pretty fast. But uh, it, when you said you that one fight you did, you cast silence. You didn't cast silence on like when you fought Minthar to stop the reinforcements to come in. No, no reinforcements came. Um, I thought you said the eyeball was giving you trouble and you had to push it down the 
Yeah, chasm. I pushed it down the chasm and it killed it. Oh, before, oh, before. Yeah, I, I did that as like okay. my first action, um, the successful oh, okay. run I did. So I pushed it down, it killed it. Uh, one of the goblins runs for a wardrum nearby, and I um, just nuked him down with just Carlac uh, throwing a spear at him, killed him in one hit, and then. Yeah. Um, Menthara doesn't really seem to call for reinforcements. She just kind of uh, seems to just focus on you and focus attack you. So that wasn't really a problem. That was just kind of like a an old-fashioned fight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Menthara is actually a, uh, an ally you can or a companion you can recruit. Yeah, I figured she was the evil companion. Yeah. But which... it's on like... I would I gotta get love to one. see what the evil playthrough is like and actually get her on an evil playthrough. And I'm not sure I can actually be evil enough to play an evil playthrough. Yeah, I think a lot of people talk about doing the Dark Urge run as their second playthrough. So I'll probably do that is just do Dark Urge. But I hear like you can lose a lot of companions. So I'm like, uh, I don't know how like hard that'll make it. But I was like, yeah, I could do that and just run with like people who probably are fine with bad stuff. I already do a lot of like deception because my characters expect to, to do persuasion and deception a lot. So I, I do that a bunch anyways. I'm like, that's kind of, you know, deceiving people's kind of evil, but yeah. And there's some real fun dialogue options to be evil as well. Dude. I just, I just struggle with it. Like they did such a good job developing these characters that I, I can't imagine killing a lot of them. It's it. I saw a really funny clip where it was like, I don't know where it was. It might have been like at camp, like in a cutscene or something. Yeah. But like all the characters are there. So it's just a screenshot of the top left. And it says like, Lysel disapproves, Shadowheart disapproves, Carlic just like everyone disapproves. And it's just like Asterian approves. <laughs> it was really funny. There's uh, your one, uh, your, your one companion that you'll probably be able to keep through a darker run. He is also coincidentally like the only companion I don't like. Yeah, I finished. I talked about it when you when you left earlier, but I finished his uh, main story. It was really good. I really like uh, his storyline. I and his just his performance too. Like I was talk, talking to Zaya after he left about how game the game awards for best character this year are going to be like. I feel so stacked with Baldur's Gate performances because they're just all really good, and like the standouts are Shadowheart. At least from what I've seen on social media and people who've played the game, it's Carlac, Lysel, Shadowheart, and Nestarian. And it, but but people like Gale and everyone else, like they're also really good. But yeah, I feel like come voting time, it's going to be like you know Carlac for sure, and then maybe two others because we've seen that before. We're like you know, t- again, I'm just repeating exactly what I said early in the episode. But like you know, Last of Us gets multiple nominations. God of War usually gets multiple nominations, so I'm it'll. I feel like it's going to be heavily stacked for Baldur's Gate. I I fail to see how it won't be. Yeah, it's got to be Baldur's Gate for almost everything. Yeah, yeah. Were you on the podcast earlier when I was talking about the D and D thing? I don't think so. What about it? Oh, uh, all the the it was like high high rollers something like some uh, D&D show, they got sure. all the voice actors to come in and they're playing their characters in the game of D&D uh, in Baldur's, like in the actual game, like takes place a little while after some events. Yeah. Uh, and like, I don't care about live D&D, just I don't get the appeal. But I was like, I love these characters. Like I'll watch the actors 
do this. And I was like, it was just fun listening to them just interact. That's a great um, idea. That would be a lot of fun. It was funny because like I saw uh, one of the voice act, the voice actor for Lysel like posted a, something on Twitter like, hey, it's like the first time we've all been in the same room because like you don't need to be in the same room for voice acting work, right? Uh, and right. it has like all the characters and like uh, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. They're doing something. I'm like, I didn't think about it was. I figured, you know, it's obviously related to the game. It's not going to be like content to be something. And then it turns out it's this D&D thing. And then I randomly found like because I've watched so much, uh, I guess, Baldur's Gate content now. Or I've seen enough at YouTube's like, yo, we're going to feed it to you. I saw a video from some guy from like nine days ago who was like speculating new content coming to Baldur's Gate. And he's like, so we saw a video about, you know, all of them in the same place. And he's like, maybe they're going to be fixing stuff or adding cut content or this and that. I'm like, but of course we know what it is now. So like I sort comments by new and it's like, it's a D&D thing. Uh, yeah. We have two episodes that are up. Um, they're about two over two hours each. Uh, and it's, uh, it's just fun to, like I said, I, once you spend enough time with the characters, it's like, it's fun. Like I said, I, Asterian's definitely one of those people who are like in the beginning, like I said, I didn't use him because he, I, he was a rogue and I was like, well, I, I'm already got lock picking and all that stuff down uh, for my character. So I don't need it. Right. Um, but the more like I, I see his stuff and his interactions, like clips of him from act one and act two. And then uh, I used him a lot uh, the other day or the other day. Yeah. The other day, cause I was finishing up his uh, storyline. So I like, but I ran with him through a couple other uh, MSQs I was doing. And like, yeah, just again, his storyline, I thought he was just his performance as well. Uh, the, the actor was really good um, for his stuff. So like, I really like uh, Asterian a lot. I'm like, I, man, I look I forward like to running with him. his character development a lot. I just, I don't know. Or, uh, you know, his character development seems interesting. I shouldn't say I like it because that's why I'm not playing it. It, it just reminds me far too much of like, Every rogue I've ever played Dungeons and Dragons with is like Asterian. They all want to be the fucking edgelord, and they do such a good job with his trope. Because I, I do feel almost all of the characters in this game are basically like classic D&D tropes, which I think is great. Um, but they do such a good job with Asterian that I'm just like, dude, I just, I can't. It's too, it's too much. It reminds me too much of a just tabletop games and annoying rogues that drive me nuts that I played with. Yeah. I, I think they probably do that just so again, I, I don't play enough D and D to, to know that, but I feel like, I guess that would make sense. Like, yeah, you want to kind of establish that, but then as you learn their personal stories, like then that's where the real, you know, character development begins. Like once yeah. you can get past that, which for a lot of the characters, you know, happens after act one. So it's like, you got to, like not many of them have, you know, act one, like Lysel does uh, and stuff like that. But yeah, you won't necessarily run into every characters and, you know, will obviously, and you run into Carlac and all that stuff, but not every character has like a major development in act one. It's, it typically happens in act two. Right. And I think the like awkward part of all of this is in normal dungeons and dragons a lot of times there just isn't good character development like right they never come around with the actual good development so it's just asterian always yeah i, I guess like yeah if they're just like if, you know. if it was asterian but nothing ever changed or improved and yeah that's why i'm like, like i just i can't deal with him if they never had growth yeah it it's funny there's a i can't it's a spoiler like i'm not gonna talk about it because it's a spoiler but there's like some stuff later on that happens that you can talk to each one of your companions about. And like, it's really, in I really like what they did um, 
with some of the characters when you talk to them about uh, a situation and just their responses. Um, Cause like some of them are like, I'm trying to forget a way to talk about without doing any spoilers, but like a kind of like a, a for and against kind of situation. Like you're, are they pro or con about uh, something that happens? Yeah. And so it's like, it's just the people who are against it's just, and like uh, there's, like significant stuff behind it too. So it's, and it's not like just story conversations. Like there's, uh, mechanics and everything, uh, that can, uh, happen with it. So it's like, uh, it's fun to hear them kind of like say why they're against something, why they're for something. And usually it's like, you can try to convince them if you want, like, Hey, let's try this thing. Let's do this thing. Or like, you know, obviously not do the thing, but like for characters that are like, they have a strong, you know, reason against something. I'm like, okay, then I won't, I'll let you go your way. I won't care because I feel like it's, you've made it good for what you've been through. I understand where you're coming from. Uh, mm -hmm. And yeah, I just, I, I really like, uh, like what this again, what they're doing. Yeah. I wish I could talk more about what I said to Sai earlier, but it was, it was very spoilery. <laughs> what, um, uh, what act was it? It's in act three. It's like, it's all just stuff I did. Cause I was like cleaning up some side content act three. And like, there's one, I can't, I mean, it's light spoilers, but it doesn't really matter because uh, it involves people who aren't in your party. Um, I, I would be okay with that. Okay. So at some point in Act 3, someone goes missing. Okay. Uh, at random. A random person in your at your camp goes missing. Interesting. And you have to, you know, you have to find them. And I was like, when I was cleaning up side content, I was like, okay. I was like, oh, I'll, uh, okay, I'll go clean up this person's side content. I'll do this mission I haven't done. I'll do this one. I was like, oh, I'll do this person's. And I was like, I go back to my camp. I'm like, where the fuck is this person? And I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> they, they're, they're missing. They've been missing for like 10 hours or something. Like, and I just, I haven't pursued the, the quest to go look for them. I'm just like, I'm just doing everything else. But uh, I got them back. And <laughs> it was just really funny because I was like, yeah, they're so they just have a random person go missing. Yeah, just at, at random. It's not the same for it's different for everybody. But again, it's someone who's not in your party, so it's not really that detrimental. But it does. I I don't know if there's like like obviously you can't complete their that person's quest line. Uh, yeah, I I guess you could. I mean, because I don't know if it's based on. I don't know if like what triggers it. I don't know if there's like story progression that triggers it, or if you. Because there are things that I, I realized, I was like, you know what, I'm I'm not resting enough at camp, and that progresses story. And I I did the and I was like, okay, let's rest. And that's like I got a character interaction with a a, a character you meet later on. And yeah. They talked to me and that moved on. And then I'm like, okay, let's rest again. Um, and I had like some people show up, and I was like, that I wasn't expecting that. And it's like, okay, it it was kind of like. Hey, this companion side quest, you should really do it because it's like there are people are looking for them kind of situation. And it's like, right. okay, so I'll go do that. But uh and then it was just like I yeah, at one point it was like, yo, someone at the I forget how you find out that someone's missing, but it's like, yeah, someone's missing. And it's like, darn it, we gotta it's like they're they're gone. Where'd they go? Um but yes, yeah, so that uh, I think it must be progression based because there are some things that happen in the story uh, later on. I also found out, like uh, I was telling Zaya earlier, uh, Maggie. Oh my god, I should have looked up her name. It's been fucking almost twelve hours since we recorded, and I still haven't looked up her name. But uh, 
Maggie, who's it, Maggie Robinson, who voices Lady Dimitrescu in Resident Evil 7. Uh, she voices a character in uh, Baldur's Gate 3, and I didn't recognize her right away. And then, yeah, I was telling Sai, like, when I heard her talk, I was like, oh, that is her. But she's, like, obviously doing a different voice than Lady Dimitrescu. Um, Which should be a good thing for uh, voice acting, that you can't always right. tell them apart, or you can't always identify them immediately as, like, oh, this is this person. Yeah, it's like, and you don't want, like I said earlier, it was like, yeah, you don't want to be the Morgan Freeman. Where it's like, oh, that's Morgan Freeman. It's like, that's why it's so weird to me when I hear someone who has a very distinct voice and they're like, like even for, I don't want, I'm not going to spoil it for this game, but like, um, for like other, other things I'm watching and they're like, is You're that? really struggling with not spoiling anything for this game, huh? Well, I, I just don't want to say that. I could I say the voice actor, but I don't want to, I don't want to say it. Um, but it's like, I, I was watching something the other day and they're like, is that so-and-so? I'm like, do you, can you not tell by their voice that it's them? Like, I guess people just don't no voices that well like i don't know i i thought it would have been very uh easy to to tell but yeah i guess some people just don't have a i definitely struggle with voices uh especially in video games like this but so okay i beat the uh, goblin camp you obviously killed the goblin camp as well so how did you go through Mm it i just fought them um i I, went through yeah I, i killed like um I killed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing crazy. Um, I did. I, well, because I found out about the spiders later. Um, because I was like, I didn't realize they were there. I did the same thing. I I bought Minthara. Uh, that's pretty straightforward. Um, and then yeah, just fought everybody. It, but it was like that was like a, a moment. I talked about it way back when I first did it. But like after the fact, especially the the room with the the one NPC who will brand you. It's like the other way you can talk to them is like. Oh, I'll uh, I'll go brand you, and they take you in that room. I guess that's the one you did, where like they take you off. Yeah. Um, did you get branded? No, I didn't talk to them. I just uh, okay. I just killed. But like later, really, some like, oh, so much of this room is like destructible environment. Like there's statues that can crumble over and do AOE damage. There's a bunch like, but I realized that after the fight, <laughs> I was like, darn it, I wish I knew. Uh, I wish I knew that ahead of time. But, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I just straight up fought him, and then I went and talked to the spider. It's like, oh, there's a uh, some spiders here. But yeah, I think the the spiders. Um, I I think the spiders would have been a fun way to try. Mm-hmm. I I didn't do it just because like how things played out, and I I don't like re-rolling in a game that's you know like this design. So. I ended up aggroing too many things and couldn't actually get around to talking to the spiders um, to trigger them to actually fight for me. So ended up not doing that portion, but everything else. Yeah, I was like, oh man, I should have I should have talked to them ahead of time, but uh, it's like, I didn't. <laughs> I was like, oh well. It's, I, just, I didn't want to go. I didn't think about the fact that, oh yeah, I could probably just talk to all the animals. Because um, there's like some other other spiders later on that I didn't try to talk to. I just bottom i was like okay let's just fight yeah but no i i am really enjoying it i while we've been doing this i've been doing the inventory management and going through and like searching all of the goblin camp now that nobody's there um mm-hmm. what was the spoiler thing you were going to tell me earlier that you had to stop from saying because it was related to the goblin camp or maybe it wasn't related to the goblin camp uh probably just the the poison bit about poisoning them because i was going to say it and it was funny because you said and then like immediately after i said something you're like oh man i'd, I'd love to use the poison to do this i was like oh he's on the right track <laughs> <laughs> he could he can poison the camp um maybe he'll figure it out but 
but yeah, that's kind of just it. Like the you could just poison poison all them um, ahead of time to make the fight easier. Yeah, but, no, that was close. Yeah, yes, you have a character with a speak to animals. Yeah, my my main character has speak with animals. Yeah, yeah, because I'm curious. Took like that right away after Divinity: Original Sin, and how much of that game involved speaking with animals. I was definitely like, ah, yes, they they're a fan of this. Yeah, it's weird. Like again, there's it's so odd how there's like there's so many instances where like speak to the dead or talk to animals is useful, but with how many there are, it's like it feels like those times are few and far between uh, to actually get to to. But I mean, at least talk to animals in like Divinity, just casting in... Like, in Baldur's Gate. Oh, like in okay. Divinity, I feel like talking to animals is like always useful. Eating dead bodies to get information is always useful if not to just get hp back but it's like you always get something oh you learn it like sibyl just learn a technique like oh i learned something or i learned when this was like it, there's almost anytime you come across a dead body of someone you didn't kill it's like always helpful um like you find a random foot in the in a chest you're like i'm eating this thing it's gonna give me some um but yeah like talking to animals is like always helpful in that game um, I actually think it's always helpful in this game too. I talked to a rat in the Emerald Grove who led me to a paralyzed tiefling uh, to heal. And obviously I talked to the strange ox, which hasn't led me to anything yet, but is hilarious. Um, yeah. I've found other random animals that have like led me to treasure chests. Like there was a, I think it was a squirrel or something that you agree not to like climb the tree near them and they tell you about mm -hmm. treasure and make a deal with you. Um, and then I've talked to like birds and things that point out treasure that's like up high that you wouldn't see without panning your camera upwards, which on a console is kind of tricky to aim. So it actually ends up being quite helpful. Yeah. Um, they haven't been like, uh, they haven't been quest solutions talking to animals yet, but they definitely seem to give gold or rewards yeah in the beginning i feel like that's very like okay let's make this useful but i feel like as you go on a lot of it's like rats especially you just like just i like eating the dead bodies you know especially in like the goblin camp like i'm trying to find the the secret temple in there and there's yeah. like mm, yay more food mm, or i'm so hungry like rats are pretty like useless but then later on there's like rats are like oh they're the solution to a thing <laughs> and it's like uh like if you didn't speak to animals you would probably have never solved this thing it's like entirely optional um but it's like yeah you wouldn't have solved it or there's like uh again dead bodies who you ask the wrong questions or it's like the stuff they give you it's like okay well i already learned what they told me um like there was one where like i, I taught i found a dead body it was like this is clearly a murder and it was like super helpful information so i'm like okay this is this is great to have but it's like obviously that but it, it just ha happens to where like because it's always kind of like eh you know not really that useful i end up forget i there's a stretch there where like i'd forget that you can do it uh and i was like oh yeah i can i could talk to the dead <laughs> but <laughs> yeah i the only one in the goblin camp i found that drove me nuts is i found a rat in the goblin camp that I'll, I'll paraphrase, but it, the narrator takes over, and the rat the rat says some comment of like seeing something below, and then the narrator takes over of saying like the rat is preoccupied with the light below, and or like a light through the crack, 
and I have no fucking idea what it's talking about. Like, I explored the room the rat was in. I looked below. There's like a ledge nearby, so I cast Featherfall on myself and tried to jump in, but you can't actually jump in because I don't think it's part of the map. So I just, I have no freaking idea what that rat is supposed to be looking at and what the, like, what the goal of it is. Um, so no, like, perception checks you're missing or anything? No, like, nothing rolled. Like, I, I'm... Mm-hmm. I suspect that's related to something or like treasure nearby, or it's like, maybe I found the treasure beforehand. So I just don't know what the rat is looking for, but it's been driving me nuts because I like, I just can't figure it out. Yeah. There's also like so many instances where there's like, there's a hole in a wall and I'm like, I don't have any characters that can. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't gone in any of those yet. Is it just alternate paths or is it supposed to be like treasure? It's, it's very much like the deus ex thing. It's like, okay, this leads into a room, but there's probably another way into the room. Either you pass a perception check okay. to find a hidden hatch or there's a lock you can pick or something. But it's like, if you don't have a druid or, you know, a small, a gnome character that you can shrink down uh, with transmutation or something and go in the hole, it's like, it's just another way into a location. Yeah. Um, yeah. But which is nice. I mean, I, I like they have like, cause obviously if you're not a character who lock picks, it's like, okay, well there's another way you can get into a spot. Um, or you can just beat your way through or smash it with a hammer, you know, just yeah. beat down a door. Um, did you, uh, when you went to the crash Nautilus, did you go up to the, the mind flare that was dying on the floor? Um, no, I shot that fucker from a distance. Oh, okay. It's really cool. Like if you go up and talk to like, it can't do anything cause it's dying. Yeah. Uh, and the narrator starts talking to you, and it's it's very much like the narrator's like, you see the the mind flare, and it's like it's it's really hurt and this and that, and it's and then the the narrator changes and it starts going like, you start to feel a lot of sympathy for the mind flare and how helpless it is, and you really want to help it, and it's clearly the mind flare like trying to influence you, but it's yeah. doing it through the narrator, and it was just really cool. And it's like you want to get closer to it and yada yada and, and give it a hug because you you feel connected to it. And it was just it was so cool to have like this this thing control you, but it's being done through the narrator. I thought it was really awesome. No, after after everything with uh after everything with the mind player putting tadpoles in my brain, I basically doped the fuck out and was like, eh, you know what? I don't I don't need to uh talk with you i'm just gonna shoot you from a distance and call it a day yeah so for the t the tiefling that is paralyzed that's the one that's in the shack that you can't get to unless you go around right yeah did you how did you heal her uh lesser restoration i used shadow heart who has lesser restoration because i tried just healing that didn't do anything um yeah i tried healing and healing didn't do anything and then i remembered that Lesser restoration is for conditions and healing word is for HP. Yeah. So what happens when you heal her? Honestly, nothing. She says thanks. And then that's pretty much the end of it. Okay. Interesting. All right. There's no quest completion or anything. She just says thanks. And then you're stuck in the room with her and she is like, I won't tell people you're here if you don't tell people about me. And it's like, bitch, I just saved you. Give me something. But there's, there's no reward. It feels kind of that's incomplete. cool though. I, I, well, I like that because there's a, there's I I talked about it with Zaya um, previously, and then again relating to a patch note that they released for patch three that was really funny, where there's like a, a just a side 
like you come across a conversation between two people they're you know have it's like it was just it was like a quest that wasn't the quest so i thought it was really cool that i was like oh well you know they need this and i know someone around the corner who does that let me go talk to them and then it's like they're like oh yeah i'll help them but it wasn't a quest and i thought that was so cool like that they can have a quest but something that you have to do on your own without being told and i thought that was really cool like no reward yeah. just do it i was like that is cool. and there's there's so that's many basically moments like that. what this quest is that's really cool i like that i get because i was trying to figure out like how to heal her like i didn't initially want anything because it didn't give me a quest to do it's so like okay there must be a way to heal her though um because there there's some in, instances in act three when you're in Baldur's gate where i hear npcs talking and the conversations they're having sound like there's something to this. Like this feels yeah. like it could be a quest. And I, I, this is before I found out about the other, the other non quest quest. Sure. Um, and I'm like, and I talk to them and they go, it's none of your business, you know, kind of stuff <laughs> like it. But I'm like the stuff that you're saying when I'm not talking to you sounds like you need help or some shady shit is going on, but I can't do anything to influence. So I'm like, there must be something. So I'm curious, like if that was just, just flavor or or whatnot um because uh, yeah there are some folks who like say stuff and then it's like okay it leads you to a, a location um it's funny like cats are like the the i don't know why i'm transitioning to cats for talk to animals but like cats are like the worst informants or anything because they just go hiss hiss this is my territory hiss hiss <laughs> it's like this is not useful well uh, you know maybe it's their territory that's right it's like okay, you're uh yeah, you're a good hunter, yeah. good job, cat. <laughs> yeah, you're a cat. Checks out. Yeah. It all checks out. Yeah, your highness, I'm sorry. I'll uh, I'll get out of your area now. But but yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a great game. Hopefully you uh make some more progress. Yeah, I think um you got I got a lot of stuff you can do in act 1. Oh god, I mean yeah, I have I have a lot of shit to do. I figured yeah. that wiping out the goblin camp would be the like end of act one and i think i mentioned this in discord so i was like holding off on wiping out the goblin camp and then i discovered the underdark like oh nice and where did you discover it well i have found two entrances uh i went to the spider or the well and fought the spider oh you felt you went down the well yeah, I went down the well, and then there's a comment. Um, someone's like, uh, "There's a breeze coming from below." So I was like, "Ah, fuck it!" So I cast Featherfall on myself and jumped down, and you jump down into the Underdark. Yeah, you see. And then when I, the... um, I had to reload because it, I was way too low level, and it wiped me. I was level three or level four at the time, and everything yeah, was like level six, six down there. Yeah. So I, I got crushed. So I had to go back to an earlier save. Um. But then I also found the entrance in the goblin camp, obviously. So I, you know, it just was kind of funny because I was like, oh, I thought the goblin camp would be the end of Act 1. Everything is level 5. It seems like a wrapping up point. And then obviously it's not because there are higher level things everywhere else. Yeah. Now the, did you, you said you fought the hag, right? Yeah, I fought the hag. Yeah. There's another entrance to the Underdark uh, at the hag's place. Oh, where's the entrance there? I didn't find that one. Uh... That one's tougher to find from her spot, but easier to get to the other way around. Um, you know where the the people with the masks are? Yeah. And like on the, let's say you, 
camera rotates. So I can't, but let's say like on the right side is the waterfall you jump across to get to the rest of the area. Sure. On the left side, um, there's an area to like, it's, it, it'll probably be really hard to tell it's there. Um, I think even to tell that it's there on the map might be difficult, but there's like a way that you can like jump down uh, and that leads to like a different section of the Underdark. Um, yeah, I had no idea that was there. Yeah, I, I didn't find it until I found the Underdark way up through it. And I was like, oh, right. well, there's a spot right here. But um, uh, yeah, because you have, I mean, you still have to, Lysel needs to find the crash. Right. Yeah. Um, you're looking for Githinki, so you still have to do that. Um, I think it won't trigger where you need, like, they kind of tell you, like, you, you'll you know in the story where to, because after you killed the goblins, did you go back and did, how did your grove resolve itself? I, well, I killed the goblins. Before I killed the goblins, I outed uh Kaga. The, other, the bad lady yeah I, I outed her as a shadow druid so she was pissed off about that and then when i resolved it um Halson came back and was basically like bitch better shape up we're gonna send you back to no he made her like a novice again and she's like okay mm-hmm. i'll be a novice um, yeah so that was pretty much how i resolved it was a pretty uh i don't know pretty mellow response yeah he's he's a little little too mellow he should have been a little firmer but yeah, yeah there's, like, there's not a lot of anger there yeah because then you had the party after that yeah um i had the party did you, did you talk to Carlic at the party uh no i don't think did, I, well i talked to pretty much everybody at the party did you talk to damon before you finished it uh with Carlac, the the black yeah yeah i okay Carlac got the first upgrade from infernal iron okay. after that's good because you have to it. you have to do that in act one in order to be able to romance her because and i think you have to talk to her at the party as well but like i didn't find her until after that so the damon wasn't there so i had to f- find damon in act two so i couldn't i couldn't romance her um, yeah well it sounds yeah. like maybe i won't be able to well, no, you should be able to because you said you you found you fixed her beforehand, so you already fixed, I fixed her, her beforehand. But I don't remember right. any like dialogue that would lead towards that at the party. I now think... I did at the party. The one thing that I'm curious about is um, there's a demon that shows up at the party mm-hmm. and then poofs away in like a cloud Ms- of sulfur. Um, is that yeah. who it is? That might be a spoiler for me. Well, you said she she shows up. Yeah. And then she poofs away before you can get close to her. That's interesting. Yeah, so like I could see her from a distance, and then I you try walk. Carlac. Yeah. And Will's still with you, right? Yeah. And you haven't had anything with Will at all. Oh no, Will. Is Mazara the one that made a pact with Will? Yeah. Oh no, he. She gave him his horns, his devil horns, mm-hmm. for meeting Karlak. No, that's not yeah, the so one that shows up. There's there's a demon that shows up in camp before Mizara male, shows up male to demon? deal with Will. I don't know. I couldn't get close enough. Oh, I don't know. Um, did you so, find... Like, it's, it's in a back corner of the camp, and you like walk around uh, like a blind corner, and then the NPC instantly like teleports away, and you get your narrator voice that goes like, Hmm. Ah, the smell of sulfur. I wonder what that was. And like, you see the NPC teleport away 
but it's clearly yeah. like an NPC is spying on you or something, and it hasn't popped up again yet for me. Was it a male character, tall character, or like a short character? Can't tell. It like it Can't happened tell. too quick. Interesting. I didn't reload, and it happens too quick. Did you run across uh, Raphael? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I already ran across Raphael. It wasn't I, him. Okay. Well. I, okay. So. Since it didn't happen to you, um, we can talk about it. So there's a character that, because otherwise, by the time you meet this character, it's like you could have met this character in Act One, and they're not yeah. that that important. But he has Raphael has someone that works for him that spies for him, and if you get captured in the Goblin camp, uh, they go to execute you at one point, and this character shows up and rescues you, and they're like, "Oh, I work for Raphael. I'm he's kind of you know keeping an eye on you, and I'm I'm one of his eyes," and then. She frees you, and she's like a, a short character. So I'm wondering if maybe because I that didn't happen to me. So I'm wondering if maybe it's that character because um, I don't really like wander that much around camps uh, again because I didn't go to camps enough. So I'm curious if that's what it was. If it was like them keeping an eye on you and then they like teleport out, right? Um, which would make sense lore wise because I I think you because you do run in like I ran into her in Act Three, but I don't think I ever saw her. I might have seen her once in Act Two. I think she shows up. I think if you don't meet her in Act One, you can meet her in Act Two. But I, I forget under what circumstances. Um, again, that's just a, a side thing. Not really a spoiler. It's just a side character. So that's that's in, that's curious. But uh, but yeah, yeah. You figure after after that, they talk about leaving with the Tieflings, right? Um, yeah. And then I guess yeah, Halson doesn't say about. So I guess you yeah you don't find out about. Cause I'm trying to forget, remember like when, cause a character kind of says like, they say where you need to go. And then they talk about, oh, there's two ways to get there. And one of them's the underdark. And that's kind of like, when you find out about that, it's like, okay, that's the cue for progressing, uh, progressing to act two. Right. Yeah. So it'll be, you probably just have to run around more. Cause did yeah. you find the, well, no, don't you ask me. I'll, yeah, I'll tell you when me. I finish Act One, I guess. Yeah, because there's probably a lot. Because at least you you did the hag, so that's a big big thing to finish. Yeah, I um, did the hag. I did the goblin. Talk to the camp. hunter guy that was down there. Um, I did talk to the hunter guy. And what'd you end up doing? You end up uh, nothing with him. Nothing. Okay. No, I know he's hunting Asterian, but I didn't have Asterian in my party yet, or I had him in my party, but I didn't have him with me, so. He makes some comments about how he's hunting some monster, whatever. And I was like, I have no idea who you're talking about, which is like the truthful response. And then back at camp, when I talked to Asterian, I was like, hey, by the way, is this guy looking for you? And Asterian's like, oh, ooh, awkward, yes. Um, so I should actually yeah. go back and talk to him a second time and see if there's any further dialogue. Yeah, because um, that, there's some more there. Because he has no idea what Asterian looks like. He just knows yeah. he's looking for a vampire. Um, so it's it's that's actually uh, a pretty... Yeah, so I, I did that. I talked to, or I saved the Tiefling kid from the Harpies. Um, yeah, I lost that at first. I didn't realize, like, once he, if he walked up to the last Harpy, he dies. I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> so oh, I, I just silenced the Harpies. Oh, yeah, see, I, I didn't have silence at the time, or at least oh. if I did, I wasn't using it. Um, and I, I saved Karlak. I killed the Paladins that are evil. And then I found the Underdark, and that's pretty much what I've done in Act 1. I haven't really explored the Underdark yet. I plan on um, dropping off my stuff from the Goblin Camp and then um, exploring the Underdark. 
Did you find the guys in like the Northeast who were like work for that shipping company and they're being attacked by all the wargs? Oh yeah, I found them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I found them. Like they... hiding in the cave and they're like, oh, yeah. just let you deal with all the problems. Yeah. It's like, yeah, oh, I can, you. I can convince like the chief uh, war guy to like fight with me. And then uh, he fought like all his other, cause he was hungry. And I'm like, yeah, dude, why don't How you How did just you get kill... close enough to talk to him? I forget. I forget how it happened, but like, uh, cause I came at it from like the top to attack. Yeah. And then I think at one point, I don't know what prompted it, but yeah, it just went into like cutscene for me, like to talk to him. Um, even though I th- was still in combat and it's just like, or maybe I did I sneak up. I can't remember. Um, I just remember att- I attacked him in the ledge, but yeah, I convinced him to like, yeah, Yo, you should just kill the other people. <laughs> and so <laughs> no, we fought I didn't together. even have that. Oh, and I, I killed to, him. Um, I need to explore. I th- I think I want to start exploring the Underdark tonight. Yeah, I would say before you do that, well, you can do that, but I'd say at least trigger, like finish the top map because there's a lot of stuff that fits in like, like you. there's a lot of times where I'm like, oh, there's like a small little area I didn't explore and I go there and it's like, oh, there's a cave or there's this thing that's in there. Um, like there's... I can learn more lore about this stuff or whatever. Um, but at least trigger, you know, do the, like, you know where the Githyanki are, right? On the map, they tell you like, oh, the Githyanki were spotted over yeah. here. Yeah. yeah, I'd say trigger, I'd say trigger all those things. Like, trigger that, there's some stuff on the way there, especially if you approach it from the north and go west. Uh, mm-hmm. Do all that and at least have it trigger like the, uh, hey, you know, we heard about this. We want to go here. So at least mm-hmm. it like, you know, um, cause then it'll be like, okay, this is, and then you can just do any cleanup. You can explore cause you can explore a lot of the underdark before you progress to act two. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, I don't, I'm not ready to go to act two yet. I just want to explore more. So maybe I'll explore more of the upper area and I'll maybe do inventory cleanup and prep for uh, underdark. Yeah. I'd say do finish up the upper spot. Um, and then, definitely at least all the major stuff the 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 githyanki go to them and then there's stuff on the way you'll hit and then uh and then yeah and then you can explore like because there's the underdark will be a huge area uh that you can run around and and check out um yeah i can't i guess i'll have to wait until you uh finish act (laughs) one before we talk about hey did you find this thing did you find this thing um, no, let, let, let me finish Act One wait, first. So, so you fell down the well. Is how you got to the Underdark. Yeah, you went from the Goblin Camp. There's the one that Hags place. There's also one, um, I believe, in the town where that well is. One of those houses has a basement uh, that also goes to the Underdark. I didn't find that one. Oh yeah, I think you, if you read some books, uh, they tell you about it, um, and I think that's how you find out about the, like the hatch. Maybe you can pass a perception check as well. I'm not sure, yeah. but like there's a, and that leads to some fun stuff. But um, that also goes down to the Underdark. I think that's like the the main way because then you can go back to like if you go back down the well and then instead of going like left to the spiders, you go right. That essentially would lead you back up. But I don't know if like I think there's like a couple doors you have to go through. So I don't know if you can open them from the other side if they're locked. Um, so you might not be able to get back up that way. Uh, but yeah, just making me want to play now. 
Oh, this is fun. Well, let's wrap it up here. We've been going for a while. I got it. Can I get it? I won't be able <laughs> all to right, edit all right. this tonight, but yeah, you can go ahead and play some more. Um, and yeah, I'll just slot this back in and be a nice little supplemental bit there. But uh, you also should uh, stream it. I want to watch you play. <laughs> <while I'm, laughs> sounds good. I'll, yeah, I'll have that on while I'm editing. It'll be good times. <laughs> okay, sounds good. All right. All right. Well, I'll cut it. Go ahead back to JCM and you take us out of the episode. All right, well, we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. Uh, so, like I said, maybe we'll I'll tag on a little addendum with Isley if I'm able to get one recorded. But uh, thank you all for joining and listening, and thank you, Isaiah, for joining. Mm-hmm. And we will see you all next time. <laughs>